0: You can imagine, growing up in Washington, D.C., during the Cold War, you have very specific images of what China, the sleeping dragon, must be like, you know? And you picture some great place with people in Mao suits, and then when I got over here, it was was nothing like the impression we're given back home. And uh, it just felt like it was coming to life, and all these wonderful things were happening everywhere. and you know a few weeks before halloween i might say something like uh so who here uh, believes in ghosts nobody will raise their hand all right yeah and then i say well who here is afraid of ghosts and then everybody raises their hand The run, I think, might be one of the oldest, maybe the oldest, documented mysterious creature on Earth. And she said, no, 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 that's not a maintenance problem. The reason your apartment was empty when you moved in, Carl, was that I had just moved out because that apartment is haunted. We walk out to the runway, go up this staircase onto the plane, the thing takes off, and we're looking out the window, and poof, the whole airport goes dark. Wow, that's weird.
1: And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Banal. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of BOA Audio Season 9. This edition of the program is another foray, part of our international expedition that's been going on over the last four weeks or so, going around the globe, talking to different folks, talking about different subjects. And this episode is particularly unique in the sense that our guest tonight, Carl Joseph DeMarco, is a long-time BOA Audio listener, and for a long time he has been emailing me thoughts about the program and feedback about the show, along with uh, his friend John Nera, who's also in China. And the both of them are in China, and, you know, we've kind of talked amongst the three of us and and have strived to uh, find somebody to talk about some of these Chinese myths and legends and paranormal stories. But it's just incredibly difficult, as I said uh during the Brent Swanser episode. It seems like the language barrier for places like China and Japan is just so uh difficult to maneuver around, especially when it comes to these topics. And as luck would have it, Brent Swanser came through uh to talk about these Japanese myths and legends and here tonight Carl stepped up to the plate because he has just a keen interest in the subject and has spent quite a long time over there in China and has uh, absorbed a lot of the stories that have, uh, you know, gone around there in China with regards to sort of paranormal myths and legends. The jianxi, the Yeren, all kinds of Chinese ghost stories, and... John and I kind of drafted him to come on the program and, uh, he graciously accepted. So he's here on the program tonight. Uh, it's very rare where we bring a listener on, but Carl has gone sort of above and beyond the Call of Duty here and, uh, you know, really, really dug into this stuff for us and, and created a bridge for all of America to China that I never really imagined could exist. So. I'm really, really appreciative of all that and really looking forward to talking to him. I've already had several laughs with him tonight, and I think there's going to be many, many more uh, over the course of this conversation. Carl, welcome to BOA Audio. Thank you, man, so much for uh being our man in China.
0: Well, thank you, Tim. Uh, kind of strange making my radio debut on an international show with an international Celebrity such as yourself, but uh <laughs> you know, I, I, I just hope we have fun doing it, and I, it sounds like we will.
1: Absolutely, Carl. If I'm a, if I'm an international celebrity, I'm I'm I don't even know. For, I'm like four rungs <laughs> four rungs below the Iron Sheik, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's how much of a celebrity.
0: Uh, well, well, yeah, and you see, I don't even know who the Iron Sheik is. I've been in China so long, so. uh
1: He's an, no, he's an old time—he's uh, an old old timey wrestler, but
0: uh, that sounds like a wrestling name. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, when, I remember my dad and my grandfather taking me to a WWE match back when the uh, tax Center was still in DC, and we saw uh, Haystacks Calhoun. He was the oh boy, we're talking real old day. school, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was—you know—I I was pretty pretty young tyke at that time, but uh had a good time with dad and grandpa. Nice,
1: nice. Well, tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, who is Carl Joseph DeMarco? Who are you, Carl? Uh, how did you end up in China? How long have you been there? And, and, you know, give us, give us the scoop on, on your background so folks can get to know you a little bit.
0: Yeah, who am I and why am I here? We all ask those questions. Um, well, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I was, I was, I was born in New Jersey, but, uh, very soon after, uh, my parents moved down to the DC area. My father says he, uh, took the first job that got him out of New Jersey. And, uh, I think that was the advice of, uh, one of the elders in his life. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it worked out great. I mean, you know, the DC area is actually, you know, although the, the real life that people live there is overshadowed by political news. It's actually a, a really wonderful place to grow up. And, uh, we had some wonderful times. Um, uh, went to the University of Maryland, got a degree in wildlife management, and, uh, what else would be relevant to this, uh, to our topic of discussion tonight? How'd you end um, up in China? I'll tell you, well, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I was studying, uh, Qigong, which is a kind of Chinese internal martial art, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my teacher was a guy named Michael Wynn down in Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, he organizes study tours to China about every two years or so. And I came on a tour with him in 2002 to, uh, meet the masters here in the Far East to see what, what they had to teach us. And that was an incredible trip. And you can imagine growing up in Washington DC during the Cold War, you have very specific images of what China, the sleeping dragon must be like, you know, and yeah, you yeah. picture some great place with people in Mao suits. And then when I got over here, it was, it was nothing uh like the impression we're given back home. And uh, it just felt like it was uh early spring for this country. It was just coming to life, and all these wonderful things were happening everywhere. Very vibrant place. And everywhere we went, people would offer me jobs teaching English. I mean, they would literally walk up to you on the street and say, where are you from? And you'd say, oh, I'm from America. Do you want a job teaching English? You know, just like that. And uh, so I thought, you know, maybe I could do something with this. So I thought uh maybe I could spend a year here teaching, and that would pay for the trip, and I could learn more Qigong. And uh went home, settled up some affairs, and came back in February of 2003, and i uh, got my first teaching job in the middle of nowhere and uh i found out that people in modern china are not very interested in qigong uh or or kung fu or anything for that matter you know it's very rare you meet people who are into that stuff now and uh it's kind of like america in the 50s or 60s in a way in that the younger generation are giving up a lot of the traditions of their parents and grandparents, yeah. you know, and taking on a more modern life. But I, I liked it so much, in the end I decided to stay, you know, and uh, just went from one job to another. And uh, I, I moved from the from the boonies uh, to uh, a city called Shenzhen, which most people back home don't know about, but I would say it's one of the four first-tier cities in China. And the other expats who live here, frankly, we're glad most people don't know about it because we consider it to be China's best-kept secret. Nice. And uh, so I won't, I won't say too much about it. I'll still let everybody who wants to go to Shanghai and Beijing and keep Shenzhen to myself and, and the others who are here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what's interesting is that first job in Shenzhen was at a haunted college. So, you know, the very early stage of this story here, the, uh, paranormal events began. Yeah. But my family has been, uh, I don't want to say plagued, but sort of, uh, I don't want to say blessed either, but touched. Uh, we've had the good fortune to have always had haunted houses in the family that make for great, uh, dinner time or late night storytelling, you know. Nice. And, uh, just recalling some of these incidents, it goes back to my grandparents, uh, when they owned a music shop in Perth Amboy, New Jersey. That place was haunted. Uh, my aunt in, uh, uh, Bound Brook, New Jersey, uh, had a haunted house for years. And I could, if this show wasn't about China, I could tell you how it became de-haunted. Um, and then, we
1: may get to that at the end. That sounds interesting, yeah. Uh,
0: okay, alright, alright. And then, uh, the first house my parents moved into in Washington, uh, had a ghost in it and, uh, we moved out as soon as some neighbors vacated the place next to us and some friends of my father's moved in there and, uh, they had even more experiences than we did. And, uh, so those stories constantly get retold, uh, after dinner at family gatherings and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, engaging the paranormal is nothing new to me. I guess the, the first real academic interest I got was when I was sick at 10 years old. Uh, we lived in uh, Bethesda at that time, Bethesda, Maryland. A lot of people know that because of the Naval Hospital or NIH. And um, I was about 10 years old. I was sick, and I was reading a book in bed called Mysteries, Myths, and Monsters. And before coming on the show, I tried to find it on Amazon, and I couldn't find it. Googled it, couldn't find any reference to it at all, but it appears to have been based on an old TV show with a similar title called Monstery, with the same three words, different order. Yeah, uh, Maybe it was Myths, Monsters, and Mysteries, or something like that, you know? And uh when uh when Peter Costello on, uh what was it, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. And uh we he I heard you mention he wrote this book back in the seventies and I thought maybe he's the guy who wrote it. But then I looked him up and he had done something else. But that was kinda of your standard uh back in the seventies, uh Bigfoot Yeti and Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. And I made a few references to some other things, but those were the big three back then and you know, so – and then and that kind of really started me off on it. And I had an aunt and uncle who were really into that and had read Von Daniken's book and seen the movie Chariots of the Gods, and they loved to talk about that stuff. Nice, nice. And uh so, yeah, I always, I always had a lot of encouragement in the family to pursue these wacky interests, you know. <laughs> nice. I
1: got a question, though. Yeah. When you. Did you speak Chinese? How do you, when they offer you to come over
0: and teach? I didn't speak a, I didn't speak a lick of it when I got here and I've had to learn since I came. And uh, I get around okay, but I'm by no means uh, proficient in the language. You know, I can go shopping and order meals in restaurants and uh, speak enough to meet girls. Well, I don't have to meet any girls anymore because I had the same girlfriend now for three or four years. There you go. But, uh, you know, I I knew enough to do that. And, uh, you know, so, so you get by, the neighbors come out, I can uh, chit-chat a little bit, stuff like that. Nice. So, uh, when I was researching this paranormal stuff and the mysterious creatures and things, man, it, it was hard. I had to go really slowly and use dictionaries and stuff.
1: I should go over there and just teach Chinese. Get out of, get out of here. <laughs> or teach English. I teach English. I yeah, I could well, teach Chinese. Absolutely. I wouldn't be very yeah. good at that.
0: <laughs> it's better if you can't speak English, because then it doesn't give the students a crutch. Oh, like if, you don't, you know? if you don't speak they, 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 Chinese, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so uh, even now that I speak it, I don't let on that I do.
2: Ah. Oh, you that, know, so, uh,
1: yeah. even better for me, yeah. Good, I like this. Yes, I'll yes it in. is. I'll,
0: I, you know, I'll probably help you get a job in Shenzhen if you really want to do that. We, we, hey, we could do, uh, well before you start, we could do like a... Uh, A paranormal tour and take in the lake monsters and uh and uh visit some famous haunted locations.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, so that's the bio background. How long have you been in China uh since you got over there to teach?
0: Just eleven uh eleven or twelve years now, I guess.
1: Nice. Okay. So
0: you're pretty you're pretty a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, so you're, you're pretty settled in there now, so it's because you've, yeah, you really got a feel for the culture. This I, is
0: awesome. Yeah, I, I never expected to be here this long. It just, you know, just worked out that way. Mm. Life was good, what can I tell you? Sounds so, like it. So where do you want to start Anyway,
1: the, the, the ghost stories? I guess let's start where it began, I guess you could say, uh, with the Haunted College. Uh, how did all that go down? What, what, what did you... You know, how did you find out about this, and did you have any experiences there, and what were the stories surrounding this haunted college?
0: All right, well, uh, the place in English is called uh, Shenzhen Youth College. Uh, Chinese name would be Qingyan Shuiyan, which means youth college, okay? So Shenzhen Qingyan Shuiyan. And uh, I, uh, I got a job there basically by, uh, I think, a, a Chinese teacher that I met had told me they had an opening and I just walked in there and immediately hit it off with the director this old jewish guy from new york you know and uh since i had some new jersey in me uh we were able to communicate pretty clearly <laughs> and uh he he offered me a job on the spot and i accepted and what they do there is they give you a free apartment they have uh it, it's Not exactly a dormitory. It's a little bit nicer than that. They're like two- and three-bedroom apartments. And if you had a two-bedroom, you could live alone. If you had a three-bedroom, you had to share. And I got the two-bedroom, and it was on the first floor. And I was like, my God, I can't believe nobody wants this apartment. It's on the first floor. Yeah. You know, there's a building without elevators. It's a a walk-up, you know? Yeah, damn. And, uh, and and I love bicycling, so this meant I didn't have to schlep my bike up and down six flights of stairs. You know, I just roll in and out of the door. And because it's on the first floor, it had this cage around the balcony. So I guess it's the first floor. It's a patio. But they put these cages around the lower floors so to protect you from thieves, which I, by that time probably were not a problem. But anyway, uh, the first floor and the one next to me, both had cages around them, and then one more floor up to the second floor. They also had cages. And all the teachers lived together. And it's six floors, so that's about 12, 12 apartments altogether. And uh, maybe about uh, ten teachers and two other staff, two or three other staff, were living in there. And it was great because we were all close together. We could have these big parties, and we could uh, start these spontaneous uh, social events and so forth. And one night it was pretty quiet, and I started hearing furniture moving, okay? Uh, Yeah. And it it sounded like the guy upstairs was moving his furniture at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it wasn't 3 o'clock. It was more like 1 or 2 o'clock, actually. But you're hearing furniture Like, what the hell is – yeah, what the hell is he moving his furniture for? It's, it's two o'clock in the morning, so I go up and I knock on his door, and I see that his apartment hasn't changed. And I said, oh, it sounded like you were moving furniture up here. And he says, no, no, I think that's upstairs. You heard that too, where you are? No, no, I think it's so-and-so up on the third floor. And maybe I shouldn't say names, I don't know.
1: Yeah, so-and-so's fine. No one's, yeah, yeah.
0: Go yeah, ahead. okay. <laughs> So, uh, both of us go up to the third floor, and we knock on this guy's door, and he wakes up. He was sleeping. So, we said, oh, so it wasn't you moving furniture? And he said, what are you talking about? And we tell him that we thought we heard furniture moving upstairs. And he says, oh, you guys have heard that, too. I've heard that before, but I, I was sleeping now, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't hear it. Yeah. So, oh, well, maybe it's, you know, so and so up on the fourth floor, and this goes on all the way up to the top floor, and nobody's moving furniture. Alright. So, we don't think anything about it for a while, but, you know, it's not, it's not pipe noise. It's not vents hissing. It's like if you had a table, a heavy table, and slid it across the floor, and then you had a, some chairs, and you were sliding those across the floor, that's exactly what it sounded like. Oh, yeah. You know, I can't think of a uh, of a machine in a, in a house that makes that. And we didn't really have any of those machines anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like water heaters, and, you know. So anyway, uh, it, this happened again a few times. And sometimes it was someone, like someone was dropping screws. Like if you had a handful of screws, metal screws, and you dropped them on the floor
2: weird and it went
0: like you know something like that right yeah yeah or or ball bearings it was more like screws cuz they, they have an irregular motion ball bearings would would make a like a regular bouncing noise right i know what you're saying yeah and uh we start talking about this what the hell is going on well uh one way they handle these foreign teacher positions in china is uh very graciously they assign one or two of the secretaries or receptionists to assist you in uh, your daily affairs. You know, nice. uh, if you need to find something you need, they help you. If you need an address, they write it down or, you know, uh, things like this. And so uh, you start to make friends with those people. And one day in work, we were talking to, one of the girls who worked as a receptionist or a secretary there and told her about this, you know. I was like, can we stop that noise? What's making it? Can you have maintenance come in and check it out? And she said, no, 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 that's not a maintenance problem. The reason your apartment was empty when you moved in, Carl, was that I had just moved out because that apartment is haunted. <laughs> I'm like, what? And she says, yeah, that apartment has a ghost in it. And I said, well, how do you know? And she said, uh, things would, would get moved in my house while I was gone. And I said, well, are you sure you didn't, like, misplace anything or someone else had a key for your place? And she said, no, I'm in charge of all the keys, as you know, and I wouldn't let anybody else have a key for my place. Uh, and, uh, sometimes I would even wake up in the morning and find things misplaced. And I said, well, it doesn't sound like much of a problem though. And she said, well, one thing really, uh, did it for me. All right. And then she said she went out one day on her day off and, uh, before going out, she had done the laundry and hung all the clothes to dry out on the balcony, which I've told you was surrounded by a cage, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't can't get in there. You can't get through the gaps on the cage. You know, you could keep a dog out there, and the dog couldn't get out. Yeah. And she came home from whatever she was doing, and all the clothes had been rehung on the patio next door, which also had a cage around it.
1: Weird. So like somebody would have to come in, take all the clothes down, go back out into the hallway, go into the other apartment and then hang them up out on the other balcony. Essentially.
0: Right. Right, and they would need keys
1: for both places. Yeah, It would be quite the quite the operation. Yeah, yeah. We Yeah, yeah, it would. That's crazy. Very weird.
0: Yeah. So she said, she said she she threw all those clothes away and had to buy all new clothes uh because, you know, uh people are superstitious here sometimes. And if a ghost has been handling your clothes, you can't keep them. They don't even like to buy used clothes from other humans, let alone ghosts.
1: Weird, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's well, you you can leave your shirt in the gym, or you could leave your you know your shoes in the gym. No one will steal them because they're you know ooh someone else had them on. Interesting. So, but that was so that was that that was a weird story, you know. And I I don't know how to explain it. I suppose somebody could have. Uh, use a long pole with some kind of hook on the end to move all the clothes one by one. But if someone's about to, you know, throw all their clothes away, you would fess up and say, I did that. Nobody ever came forward and said that.
1: Yeah, it seems really unlikely in general that somebody would, who has the, you know, who would do that? Like this, is that something? Well, my
0: friends and I would do that, but <laughs> <laughs> we would, we, we would fess up before they <laughs> throw their clothes away, cause we wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to scare someone, but, uh, it's not fun to, you know, have them go out and spend hundreds of dollars on new clothes. Right. You uh, know, so.
1: It's still kind of trying to wrap my head around the culture in a way where it's like, so it, so you, you, you really kind of got, t- got, Embraced by this, uh, by this place. It's, it's very interesting in a way. I don't know. I'm just trying to like wrap my mind around, cause you're right. Here in America, we're taught to like fear China and everything. It, it, the more you talk about it, the more it sounds like a pretty nice place.
0: It is, you know, uh, it, it has its issues like every other country, but, uh, you find that the people are you know, just like people. Everywhere, uh, you know, there's good people and there's assholes and everybody likes to get together with good friends and family and share good food and people meet and fall in love and get married and have families. You know, the, what's different is the cultural trappings, yeah. you know. Uh it, might, it, uh it might be, the food might be different or the pickup line might be different or, I you know, that. but yeah. it's all, yeah, yeah it's all Pretty much the same everywhere. Uh, what's one thing I've always been able to do is, like, go someplace really different or something very different and see its commonalities mm. with something else. You know? And uh, other people usually focus on the difference, but for some reason, as I look at things in the world, I focus on similarities. Right, right. for me, that's an entry point, you know? Yeah. It's an entry point into a new idea or a new thing to do.
1: Yeah, and it's like you know, I mean, I'm obviously not super well read about sort of China, but at the same time, it's like any when you get the idea that it's like oh, you should be afraid because of the government over there and everything else, it's like the more I think about it, though, it's like Jesus Christ, you should be afraid over here with the government, man. It's like the government—they're they're, you know they're shooting people in the streets here in America. It's they're shooting people in a college and in, in a church for God's sake. So. You know, it's
0: like, there's plenty of fear here in America, so maybe maybe the idea that, like... You know know what the difference is? People are used to the fears they have there already. Mm. They're not used to the fears that they would have over here. Yeah. You know? I I really only, I wouldn't say got hassled, but I I had one incident, you know... Uh, where after I first came to Shenzhen, a, a guy took me out to lunch one day and uh, because I was a new teacher, I thought, you know. And he paid a lot of money for this really nice lunch, delicious Chinese food, and we even drank the snake wine, you know. And if you go to a restaurant over here, they have a big jug, like a big, I don't know, three- or four-gallon jug filled with this, stuff called baijio, which is the local liquor. Yeah. All right? And there are all these snakes down in it. Okay, all different kinds of snakes coiled. The best stuff has cobras in it. Whoa. All right, so you get the snake wine with the cobras. That's like number one. Are they swimming around okay. or are they dead? No, they're all dead. Okay, that's what I thought. But it's it's very well preserved.
1: Anyway. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Weird. it's like a
0: museum specimen, yeah. So we drank the snake wine and, uh, and then, you know, after the, after lunch, he says, uh, this is working at the same place I just told you the story about. Uh He says, uh, so Carl, what are you doing in China? And I said, well, you know, I'm teaching English. You know that. We, we both work at the youth college. And, you know, we talk about that a little bit and he says, yeah, but, uh, why'd you come here? And I said, oh, 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 that's the question. I first came here to study Qigong, and, uh, you know, I just a lot of people were offering me jobs teaching English, and I thought I'd come back for a year, do that, and learn more Qigong. And he says, well, let me make my question clear. Uh, you know, you're not married. You don't have any kids. You don't have any obligations back in America. Uh, that makes you in a very unique position. To come here in China, I know you've worked for the government, and I'm like, oh, I see what this question is about. Yeah, this you know? guy, is,
1: this guy, this guy you're talking to, he's a Chinese guy. Yeah, he's yeah, Chinese guy, but he speaks English.
0: Yeah, he's okay. he's, an, he's uh yeah, and uh, he, he had some job at the youth college, okay. and. Uh, he said, and at that time I was—I would go off on these long exploratory bike rides. I don't, you know, fifty, sixty miles, and just explore the city. And he asked me, "Where do you go on these long bike rides?" And I'm like, oh, <laughs> "Well, wait a minute. Hey, hey, any time you want to come on a bike ride with me, you can come. I'm inviting you right now. You and your friends, join me on the on on my bike rides." Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went back and forth like this a little bit until he was satisfied that, you know, I, I wasn't working for the CIA or yeah. some, you know, covert operation or something like that. And after that, man, whenever I went off on these bike rides, uh, I'd always look over my shoulder to see if anyone was trying to keep up, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> Well, that's like both spooky and kind of reassuring in a way where it's like, well, at least they're kind of a little more overt about the fact that they're, that they're keeping an eye on you. Well, they are, and other, other
0: expats, other expats told me similar stories, you know, and, uh, if you think about it, you can't really blame them for it. I mean, that, that is what their job is, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Better than letting illegal alien criminals out of
0: jail to go off and rape and murder, you know, so it's kind of the opposite program in america right now i guess but now what you know. if you what if you like
1: this is my only mother main concern if i was over there like i would be afraid that uh since i don't speak any english and everything like what if you make a mistake like as far as like what the law is you know like the old thing like you can't spit on the sidewalk or something like, like that
0: uh, no nah, they, don't, they don't bother you there's like unless you're like a big time drug smuggler or murder or something like that uh they they pretty much leave you to yourself. Uh, you know, there have been uh, expats that have gone to jail, usually for huge amounts of drugs yeah, yeah. that they've smuggled in, or large thefts. There was a guy, I think, from North or South Carolina who stole, like, 70,000 RMB from a friend of his, and he got, like, a three- or six-month jail sentence for that. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, yeah. You know, so you you, you got to do something pretty bad, you know. I mean, if you want to walk down the street with an open container in, in Shenzhen, that's not a problem.
2: Shit, but man, if you start you're on China
0: a... <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a trade-off. There there might be uh, less political freedom in certain ways, but in everyday life, there are greater freedoms seems that way, yeah, seems, you know, seems that way, yeah, so you know you you trade off one for the other, depending on on where you want to live, right, and like so. I was saying just now about
1: how it is here, it's you know I'm thinking to myself like, okay, so you're in China, and a cop comes up to you, you'd probably like shake your pants, and then I'm thinking to myself. I don't want to be, you know, if if a cop came up to me here, I'd feel probably the same way. I'd be like, "Oh, fuck, you know, there's a 50/50 <laughs> chance this guy's going to arrest me for something ridiculous or or be, or be a dick." You know what I mean? It's like so it's, it's, yeah. it's the same everywhere, really, if you think about it.
0: Let's get Let's get back to the topic at hand.
1: There you go. Let's get back to the paranormal stuff. So so you were, so what happened eventually with the haunted college? Did you uh did
0: you, Well, uh, with the haunted college, I kind of stayed in that place because except for those noises, uh Nothing ever bothered me. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, my 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 shit wasn't getting moved around like Emily's was. Hmm. Uh, well, it's her English name. It's not official. I can use it. That's fine. Everyone here has an English name that's unofficial. They they usually use. Um, that's cool. Yeah. So uh so, so you know, my stuff wasn't getting moved around. I didn't see any ghostly apparitions floating around. It was just these. Furniture moving noises and these screw dropping noises that uh, would sometimes catch my attention, but after a while they weren 't annoying anymore. You just learned to live with it yeah and uh, near that was a building that was red. there was this red office building. if you can imagine how ghastly that looks, this big bright red office building and uh, I remember saying to a Chinese friend about that, we were out on one of our one of our bike rides. And I said, my God, that building's hideous. You know, I didn't say hideous. I said, my God, that building is ugly. Why do they make it red like that? And he said, oh, that building is built on an old execution ground. They used to kill the prisoners here. And so there's many, many ghosts, and by making that building red, it keeps the ghosts out. Wow. And, uh, I said, well, do people live there? He said, yes, there are people living there, but that building is never very full.
1: Huh. Well, that's, that raises sort of the idea here, like how it's, from what you've told me in our conversations on email, it's like how prevalent is is a is sort of superstition, is this sort of like belief and discussion about ghosts, you know, it's,
0: they're I can tell you one very short story, uh, from every single one of my classes that will give you the general Chinese thinking on ghosts. Every class as we approach Halloween, uh, I want to warm the students up a little bit, get them excited, so when we do our special Halloween class, you know, they're all hyped up. And, you know, a few weeks before Halloween, I might say something like, uh, so who here, uh, believes in ghosts? Nobody will raise their hand. all right Yeah. And then I say, well, who here is afraid of ghosts? And then everybody raises their hand. Wow. Alright. That's that's the Chinese mentality on ghosts. And I ask, well, if you don't believe them, why are you afraid of them? And they they all say, well, 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 maybe it's true. Huh? Or we've heard stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when I was asking, yeah, when I when I ask friends to shit ghost stories, there's a couple of them who can't handle it at all. They run away. They just block you out. You know, you can't even mention it. And and others say, why do you want those stories? They're not real. Huh? But if you know, but then if they're in your class, they'll raise their hand and say they're afraid of ghosts.
1: Weird. It's very interesting. Yes, it is. So, yeah. have you... All right, so what other kind of ghost stories have you heard over there? You were telling me on
0: the email... Well, I'll tell you what, there's one that comes close on the heels of the haunted college because they were uh, reorganizing and renovating. And uh, I guess uh, maybe around... That was maybe end of 2004. And so we had to move out of the dormitories and they closed the business English program for a while... And we all when uh I think uh this this guy who hired me from the 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 old Jewish guy from new york he he bought the rights for that program and opened his own shop and brought me and two of the other teachers with him, and we went off and found our own places to live and I moved into this place, an historic location it's directly above the very first Walmart in China <laughs> okay. Which is in Shenzhen. So now, you know, a hundred years from now, people will talk about that. So you lived above uh, the a Walmart, first Walmart, and the first McDonald's and the first KFC were all in uh, Shenzhen, I think. Wow, nice. Yeah, you can still go to that first uh, McDonald's too. That one's still in operation, also. Um, that's in a great neighborhood too. Very a lot of. For for us, for, you know, uh, people not from China, a lot of very interesting sights and sounds in that area, and a lot of eye candy. But uh, that's off the point. Yeah. Anyway. Right. So you're living we, above, I'm, I'm above living a Walmart. A, uh, yeah, I'm living above a Walmart. It's a, it's a high-rise. The Walmart's like the first two floors of that high-rise. And then there are these uh, three towers, okay, over that first floor. And, uh... Uh it was a beautiful apartment. It was my landlord was a guy from Australia, so he had the apartment really well decorated and and fixed out for expat living, you know. I was lucky to find it. And it was it was super cheap. I couldn't believe the price I got and uh sometimes at night I would just get a feeling that someone was there. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I thought, well, you know, I've been around ghosts before. If there's a presence here, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. Nothing is coming of it. And, um it, it was just too sweet a deal. Two balconies, uh, hot tub and a whirlpool. At that price, I was not moving. Nice. All right? Yeah, yeah. Well, while I'm there, a friend of mine from back home, he, uh, he and I had been through a lot of things together and he has his own tales of the strange to share, but he came to visit me with another friend of his, mm-hmm. all right? And we go out one night to a bar that a friend of mine runs, and his friend meets this Chinese girl. They uh disappear for five days until it's time to go home. Oh, my God. And 10 days later, he's moving back to China and gets an apartment in the same building that I live in five floors up i lived on 10 he lived on 15 this guy just fell in love right just fell in love the two of them head over heels and uh they're married now they have a kid and they live back in the states wow yeah Pretty so nice. see, there's i love when i bring people together like that you know yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, you were like you were like but... the uh, the cupid <laughs>
0: Something like that okay. well anyway uh they 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 come back he the guy comes back to China ten days later and rents an apartment uh five floors above me uh with his with his girlfriend soon to be fiance and so on and he still at that time uh had some business interests uh back in the states and had to go home periodically to take care of them and uh on one of these business trips home, he gets a frantic phone call from his girlfriend. Yeah. All right. And uh, this is what she says uh, in the phone call. And uh, she was afraid to retell this story and asked my friend to tell it to me. She's asleep in bed one night and wakes up because something scares her. Okay? Uh-huh. She she gets up, she goes to the bathroom, whatever, goes back to bed. And then she sees this World War II Japanese soldier walking towards her bedroom. She can't believe it. She closes her eyes. She opens them again. The guy is closer to her. Oh, Jesus. She closes her eyes again, and when she opens them, they're face to face. It's like his face is they're nose to nose, oh. and he's staring her in the eyes. Oh, all God. right, yeah, yeah, oh, yes, fuck, yeah. So she leaps out of bed and runs to her phone and 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 and, and calls my buddy uh, back in the states and tells him tells him this, right? Mm-hmm. So he tells her what you have to do: go down to the Walmart and buy some salt, and make a circle of salt all around the room, and there can't be any gaps in that line of salt, right? And that'll keep the ghost out, so she goes downstairs to the Walmart, she, or whatever shop was open, she buys the salt and makes this ring around the room, she said she never saw the ghost the rest of the time, he was gone, okay? and then he called me the next day i you know it's kind of late at night he called me the next day and said maybe you can check on her or you know just invite her down for for a meal or something while i'm gone she's pretty shaken up over this whole thing yeah so uh not long after he got back again they had to go house hunting and find a new place but the story doesn't end there uh-oh because uh you know we now we're finding out that this is why apartment uh, apartments in that building are so cheap, because it has a reputation for being haunted. Ah. All right? And uh, the couple that moves in to that same apartment after they did had a big row one night. The guy throws his wife off the balcony. Whoa. And then kills himself. Whoa. Yeah. Same apartment. And after that, after that, they couldn't rent any apartments on that floor. The place just stayed empty. So my friends did a little research. They found out that during, uh, during the war, uh, on that location, the Japanese operated a brothel where they kept Chinese sex slaves. And, uh, as the war turned against Japan, And I I guess uh, the local people felt empowered enough, they rose up, burned that brothel to the ground while the Japanese were still in it. And whatever soldiers were in there, you know, burned to death. Oh, God. Yeah. There's no way they could have known that, because she's not from Shenzhen. She's from a city in a whole other province, and, you know, he, he had just gotten here, basically. You know, none of us knew that, but that's what they found out.
1: See, and that just goes to the idea. Like, she's not making this story up, folks. She's not calling her her boyfriend in the states. uh just, You know, no,
0: she 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 still won't talk about it. I I asked her again about it because I wanted to clarify some points. She she refused to talk about it. She said, "You can talk to him about it. I'm not gonna. I I, I can't talk about that. You can talk to my husband."
1: Wow. Jesus. Yeah, that's a crazy story, yeah. dude. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, it, it is. is. Wow. Oh, my God. Whew. So, right. but, you know, it is uniquely Chinese in the way that this relates back to, uh you know, just the chaos and the catastrophe that that, that struck the country because of World War II.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The whole, you know...
0: Yeah, uh, you know they don't call it that. They call it the War of Japanese Aggression, and it's got a really special place in the national psyche.
2: Mm.
0: You know. Yeah. They're yeah. kind of kind of like Indian graveyards do back in the states.
1: You know. Right, right, right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now tell me about this um, this app. You were emailing me about uh this Why? why oh why yeah sheen. yeah yeah, that's uh, continuing in the in the ghost vein there's right. uh,
0: uh, there's an app and uh, the correct pronunciation for that is we sheen we sheen okay yeah, yeah sheen means like a note or a message like uh text messaging you what you would call that Dwan sheen short message
2: hmm, Okay. you know
0: or short note so uh sheen is like a note or a message and uh Weixin, uh it's, it's like the best app messaging app ever invented. It's really uh incredible. We could have done this phone call by it, but um I, I don't really know how the, the call side of it works, but all my Chinese friends were telling me yesterday, Oh, is he gonna call you by Wei That will be free. Uh and then uh I think though that it's only free domestic calls, not international calls. Yeah, yeah. But it, 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 the English name for that Weixin is WeChat, and you can download it and use it yourself. Um, the English version it has all the features of the Chinese version. I use it, and I use it to talk to my cousin friends back in the States. They love it also. I'll check it out. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, just, you can go to weChat.com and you click on your uh, phone operating system, you know, whether you have Apple or mm-hmm. iOS or Android, it'll take you to the download link. Anyway, it's not just a messaging app, it's a whole social uh, network uh, application where things that you used to post on Facebook or things you used to post on a blog. You can now do everything through through WeChat. yeah, okay, but anyway uh there's a guy named Xinwen Gu, I guess the uh it, it means literally news brother <laughs> this appellation gu yeah, it's commonly used in Chinese as a address of familiarity but yet with a little authority it, it kind of like guga means big brother, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. So, like, uh if you were here and you met your neighbor's kids, they the kids might be instructed to call you Guga, you know, like big brother, sort of a, a familiar thing, but still a little bit respectful. Okay. But in English, we would never say news brother, right? We, we might say news hound. Yeah, yeah. So this, this guy's like the, the Waysheen news hound, and it's a really popular site. Is my cat noise bothering you? Or a little bit. I was going to mention it
1: when we got to a pause, but yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, he's a little bit needy. Usually he's sleeping now, but uh he's not used to having someone home at this time, and I think he wants the attention. Uh, so anyway, uh, uh Xinwen Ge, or News Brother, has a column called Ling Yi Gong Shu, which means the paranormal column. So if you're wondering what the Chinese name for paranormal is, it's Ling Yi. Okay. Ling Yi, all right. Yeah, and what he, and so for his paranormal column, he scans people's moments. Moment is the social network function on WeChat where you can post stories and photos. Alright? And, and he'll scour these WeChat moments, uh, for stories of the paranormal. Okay? And then he'll collect them and post them up on his own website so that you don't have to go looking for them. Just go to his website, click on Ling Gongshu and you can read these stories yourself. So, uh, there's a lot of these stories and they're all pretty short. This is, yeah, this is uniquely Chinese. This is like where the 80s and 90s generation go to share information. Okay? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's no like ancient Chinese legend about this, no ancient Chinese secret, nothing like that. This is all like, uh, you know, real life, very, um genuine sort of experiences these, these young people have. so uh, reading through them, I got the idea there were kids as young as like 15, 16 posting stories. Yeah. And, uh, some of them read kind of like urban legends. Um but let me, uh, jump in here and, and, and see what we've got from, from Wei Sheen. There's a story about a KTV. right, and that's uh, another way they call karaoke. Okay. The Chinese word for karaoke is karaoke. But, uh, they, uh, usually call it KTV because it's easier. And, uh, there's a a kid, young guy, at a karaoke one night and he goes to use the bathroom, right? Mm -hmm. And he sees this very hot, sexy girl in the bathroom dressed in a red dress. Alright? And he thinks it's one of the girls who works there, who maybe went in to do some cleaning or some putzing around of some kind. And you have to understand, in the KTVs here, that's what they do. They hire these sexy girls who wear these sexy outfits, and they bring you beer or snacks, you know, and uh, make you want to stay longer at the KTV. Exactly, yeah. So he thinks it's one of these girls. Well, I, you know, we, we that was one of the things I think that made me want to come back to China was my friend and I went into a bar one night in Xi'an on that first tour, and these incredibly beautiful girls in these red satin dresses came, and their job was to sit there and drink with us. Wow! And we thought, my God, what a wonderful country this is! You know, yeah, sounds amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they hire people to do that. So we, so so this guy in the in the bathroom thinks it's one of these girls in the, who, who's just maybe you know fixing up or something in the bathroom, but it's the men's room. So you know, he, he finally he, he he says to her, uh, "Excuse me, miss, uh, would you mind leaving so I can." Do my business. And she lets out this blood-curdling scream and then runs out of the bathroom. Whoa. Okay. All right. And he thinks, my God, what what spooked her? You know, all I did was ask her to leave. And he was very puzzled by this whole thing. And he told his friends about it when he got back to the KTV room. you got a private room for uh, karaoke there. You don't have to sing to the whole bar. Okay. it's just you and your friends, yeah. So he goes back to the the KTV room and tells his friends what just happened. Well, the next day, one of his friends calls him on the phone and says, you're not going to believe this. Last night, after we left KTV, there was a beautiful young woman in a red dress that was killed in the men's room. She was raped and then murdered. Oh, my God. So he was like seeing kind of a a, a pre-ghost. Wow, that's weird. Or, uh, yeah, so like a, a, a premoni- premonition ghost, premonitory Yeah, ghost. weird. Yeah. Jesus. You know, and so like, so that's like, that, that's the whole story. But, you know, all of them are, are short like that. It's some, you know, one punch kind of thing. There's another one, uh, where there were some kids at a private school, and I think this was in Shenzhen, because it sounds like, uh, it was from a school that I had some students from they would they would take supplementary english classes uh with me but there were these kids used to sneak out of school by climbing over the wall yeah all right uh, the schools schools here are very different from the states uh, although I don't know there seems like the schools are getting worse and worse in america every year but yeah, the schools here are very strict with students and uh, a lot of homework in academia. There's a strict relationship of authority and so forth. So to do anything, the, the more mischievous students staying at these boarding schools have to climb over walls and such to to get out. And they used to climb over this wall to go into town and do things. And one time they climb over the wall and they see this old man beckoning to them like with their with with his hand making the come here motion right mm-hmm. okay yeah so well who's this old man who's awake at night sitting in the middle of nowhere calling us and as they got closer and closer they could see that this guy was a corpse who had already partially decomposed oh god and when they did some searching on Baidu, which is the Chinese Google, all right, they did some searching on Baidu and found out that there was an anonymous cemetery next to the school where they used to bury, like, uh lunatics and criminals without headstones Jeez. or ceremony. Yeah, and so nobody nowadays really knew that it was there, you know, this was some time in the past when they used to do that. That's spooky. So that was another of the uh, the youth tales of China. Now let me ask you stories. this.
1: The other misconception perhaps that people have is that, like, the Internet's on super lockdown over there, but you're you a BOA audio listener, so clearly it can't be that lockdown if you can get to our stuff, right?
0: BOA not blocked from China. Yeah, nice. So, uh, <laughs> there are some other interesting sites that aren't blocked either. You know, uh, I like, uh, John Deal's new program, and I can listen to that from China without a VPN also. So, so that's not blocked, and I can listen to that, uh, without any problem. Uh, but, you know, almost every expat who lives here has a VPN so you can get other content like YouTube or Facebook. Yeah. You know, so I haven't actually been on Facebook in months except to check birthday messages. But, uh, you know, um, because it's, it's such a time-sucking activity, uh, it, it's easy to it – can take you over very easily. But stuff like that, you know, uh, a lot of the outside social networking and video sites are blocked. Huh. And – um uh, but, uh, you know, your, your VPN, it's, uh, doable. You can still get the stuff you want to see. It's not, I don't think the, they said the internet has become worse, uh, in the last year or so. But because I have that VPN, I haven't really noticed. Yeah. Uh, so, so they don't anyway, really, and, and, and they're
1: cheap. Not deep. to get too, uh, so they don't really care that you use the VPN?
0: Uh, no, I don't think they do. Okay. They they did at one point. It was uh, December of 2013, I think. They did start. They did figure out a way to block VPNs and were doing it. And there was such an uproar, you know, from huge multinational companies. Yeah, I guess that would say. Well, I guess we're going to Vietnam then. That they kind of you know laid off it. I see. Okay. You need that. You need that anyway for financial transactions. And then when you start looking into it, you find out that Chinese companies use them too. All the news agencies like People's Daily, Xinhua. Uh, yeah, they're
2: all using it. You know, too, big, right?
0: uh, banks and everything, they all they all use them because they, they have international business interests and they all need to get Twitter uh, to uh, promote their businesses and keep track of competitors. That makes sense, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure we could spend like the whole show talking about these uh, these
0: these stories that are on. Yeah. Here, let me but... let me give you another uh, okay. let me give you another wish. Well, let me give you one more. There was uh, this one. Let me see which one of these is the best. I got I got four more. Uh, oh, okay. Well, this one the guy in the business the, the guy in the business trip is pretty good. Dude, do em, do
1: them do them. I don't guy care. Is, Fuck it. We got plenty. if You're, you're okay for time. We can cook. It's fine with me. So uh, okay. I love the story. So yeah, go for it.
0: The guy's on a business trip, and he's staying at a hotel, right? Yeah. Yeah, just some some normal run-of-the-mill hotel. Uh like locked the cat in the bedroom, so we should be better off now. Um, he's staying at he hotel. He wakes us up at like three, four a.m. I haven't had a good night's sleep since we got him. I'll tell you that story another time. Guy's on a business trip, and he's working on his report. For whatever business he was in, mm-hmm. all right. He doesn't really say what he, what where he worked or or what his job was, all right. And he hears someone knock on the door, and you know he says something like, "What's up?" You know, like uh, maybe uh, in Chinese, something like that. Okay, it means like, "What's up." And he hears a voice, he's not really looking up, he's working on his report, and he hears a voice say, did you see a guy with a red tie and a black suit on? And the guy, without looking up from his work or noticing who it was, he just said he hadn't seen such a guy, right? Yeah. Continues working, a little while later, guy knocks again and asks the same question. Have you seen a guy with a red tie and a black suit? And... He's like, I already told you, no, I haven't. You know? Yeah. And then it happens a third time, and he starts to get annoyed. You know, who, who who's this jerk who keeps knocking on my door, asking me if I've seen somebody? I've told him I haven't seen, and he turns around, and he note, and he was shouting, "I've told you, no, I haven't seen that guy." And he notices the door is open and nobody's standing there. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the dude, just and
0: at that moment, yeah, you know, it doesn't say. It's not clear in the story whether you know. I he's so angry, he's shouting, "I told you!" Maybe he accidentally knocks his pen off the desk, or if it rolled off by some other means, but he bends over to pick up his pen, and he sees something under the bed. And when he inspects, goes to take a closer look. He sees there's a guy in a red tie and a black suit under his bed, and he's dead. Jesus. Yeah, so he calls the police. Police come corner, the whole deal. They say the guy's clearly been dead for two or three days.
2: Whoa.
1: How... How did this dead body end up in this dude's? Oh, it's a it's a hotel. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, how did, did room how did uh, you know the cleaning service not notice? Yeah. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah, makes you wonder about if they change the sheets and you know. Uh, but, makes you wonder yeah, if the so that, voice that, was
1: the dude. Then probably was.
0: Yeah. So so that's well, that's the implication is that it was this guy's ghost you know, reaching out for help from someone in the mortal world to uh Find come and body. take care of his body.
1: Jesus. Yeah. That's crazy. Whoa. This is a this is a campfire episode, folks. This is a campfire yes, episode. Yes, yes it is. Sure. Wow. Alright. What other ones you got from the from the Y sheen uh app? 'Cause uh these are crazy.
0: Okay. Uh here's one about a kid who moves to a new house when he's ten years old. Yeah. All right. And uh after they move in to this house, this kid starts having the same dream every night. And uh it's a dream that, that really scares him. It's terrifying. Has the same dream every night for three years. Jesus. And al- although it's very terrifying at first, he eventually gets used to it and is able to, you know, I guess uh, sleep through it or something or not wake up in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. But the dream is that he's in the courtyard of the house so i'm guessing he's probably from uh a wealthy family or something where they can afford one of these courtyard courtyard homes mm-hmm. and uh he's in the courtyard fighting with a, sha- a shadowy white figure fighting like you know in a fist fight a kung fu fight right yeah yeah and uh the day they're moving out the neighbor tells him that buried in the courtyard is a former Kung Fu master. Oh, weird. Geez. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that's weird. Oh, man. I wonder, yeah. I bet he wishes he had known that uh before. And I presume when they move out that they don't, he never has the dream again, right?
0: Right, exactly. Weird. So, here's one, uh... Someone's little, uh, someone's little sister told him about this story and then he posted it on Way Sheen at an abandoned, uh, nursing home. His, uh, little, this little sister one day was walking home and found a discarded newborn baby. Unfortunately, this is something that, that happens here still occasionally. Uh, he found a discarded newborn baby outside this abandoned nursing home and was, really moved by this. They couldn't figure out why did someone do this? Why did they take an innocent life? Uh, they could have given this baby up for adoption. There are people who would even, you know, uh, childless families who would love to have this baby and take good care of it, who would, you know, just discard a, a, a little thing like that. And that night when they were trying to go to bed, they heard a baby crying. All right, uh-huh. and I woke him up, and it sounded like the baby was like right in the window next to her bed. But when she looked at the window, she couldn't see anything, and she tried to go back to sleep, and she the baby starts to cry again, like right in the window, Jeez. like she could reach out and touch it, but there's nothing there, and she started sweating with fear. And out of desperation, she tells the baby, you have to move on. You need to go where you need to go. I can't help you anymore. And after she said that, the crying stopped. Oh, God. Yikes. Yeah.
1: And these are all just kind of like right. people submit these stories uh on this thing.
0: Yeah, they're just, yeah. Weird. And and they're not submitting them to uh Wei he's finding them. So I don't think they're sending them to him okay and fine. making them up so they can get their story told and he he scrubs all the names. Huh. So there's there's no fame or fortune or 15 minutes
1: right right, right. associated with these stories, you know.
0: Yeah. So uh Anyway, then I got this one last one that happened 2 years ago according to the author or this the, the the submitter of the story. <laughs> but he was taking a nap at home and oh, I like this one because my cousin and I both have had a similar experience to this. So I thought there was more, you know, based on my personal experience. I can certainly say there's more to this story than uh, than than just a, uh, an idle post on on the internet. Yeah. This uh, this kid heard heard someone calling him, and he was he was taking a nap at home on the sofa. Uh-huh. He heard someone calling him, and when he opened his eyes, he was flying around the room. All right. Uh, you know, you've, maybe you've had dreams that you're flying, right? Well, he looks down and he sees himself, uh, oh, he sees himself lying in the bed. So he wasn't sleeping on the sofa, he was sleeping on the bed. Alright? And he sees himself laying in bed below him. So like his mind, his consciousness, his whatever astral body is up. Near the ceiling, flying around the room, and he sees his his fizzle physical, physical mortal body laying in bed. Yeah, and he and he started to hear someone sing. And when he turned his head, he saw these three people flying next to him: two women and a boy who who looked like normal people, but with sort of completely emotionless faces. They're singing this song but their 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 emotion is, you know, I guess you could say they're poker faced or something. Yeah, yeah, they're like music. You know? Yeah, yeah. Right. And they all had long hair and stank to high heaven. Oh. You know, like I think the Chinese expression is chosua, which means, you know, stinky enough to kill me. <laughs> and what what's interesting is that, you know, he's he's not in like a physical realm, but he still has a sensation of smell. And I've I've had that very same experience myself. And they started trying to pull him out of the room while they're singing this ancient Chinese song. And he didn't want to go with them and started to fight. And they kept singing the song and pulling him by the arm. And they were getting them closer and closer to the door. And at that moment, he saw his dog and called to him all right? Yeah. And somehow the dog heard him, looked up and saw him fighting with these three other characters and started barking at them, but it wasn't solving the problem. So the dog went to the bed and bit the kid's leg, bit the kid's leg so hard it woke him up, or hard enough to wake him up. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then he got this sensation of falling very rapidly fell into his body, and sat up on the edge of his bed, and the dog was sitting in the bed next to him. And he said he thinks he received some actual injuries from this because his body hurt for several days, you know, after those people were pulling on him, and he did the fall back down into his body. Weird. Yeah.
1: That's some weird shit, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I'm in shock over, <laughs> over these tales. They're amazing. <laughs> They're absolutely amazing. So, thank you for digging these up for us, because, uh.
0: Oh, no problem. Uh, we we had a good time doing it, you know. So, my, uh, my, uh, girl and I, we worked together and found this stuff.
1: Nice, nice. So. Aside from the Weixing, uh, app stuff, uh, I guess we'll move. We've done. We've gone a while already. So let's. We'll move into some of these other things uh, beyond ghosts. Because I want to hear about.
0: Yeah, we could do this. I've still got a few ghost stories, but we can put those on the end if we have time. Yeah, exactly.
1: Because there's a bunch of other stuff that you've looked into. I want to ask you about the the, the Jian okay. especially because that's the one John Nero really wanted us to talk about a long, long time ago. I have an email from him from like yeah, years and years true. ago. Yeah, that's true. Let's talk about it. So tell me about what this jiangshi is and what you've uncovered about this uh this creature i guess
0: okay okay well the, the 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 correct pronunciation is jiangshi
1: jiangshi okay all right
0: right and shi means corpse and jiang means stiff all right so it means like a stiff corpse and it's kind of like a combination of a, a zombie and a vampire all right um there's uh, actually you know uh, if you want to walk into this and get a feel for it there's a lot of hong kong movies about this stuff uh especially from like the 1980s and uh there it's really scary to the local people the way uh you know mummies or something are scary to us yeah uh, but maybe not scary to uh Chinese people as much, seriously, you know, yeah, Yeah, because these things kinda hop along uh with their arms stretched out in front, and it doesn't look like they can do anything to to harm you, all right, but uh they can actually evolve into more and more powerful uh beings or things. Uh, as they go along, um, and there's a there's a they although they suck blood, there's an important difference between them and vampires uh if you you know care about this type of stuff. A vampire is created from a living person that has been bitten by a vampire, right, right. yeah and then infected with that evil force that turns you into a, a blood sucking fiend. A juncture is formed from a, a dead person that is animated without the soul uh, through magical incantations by a Taoist priest. Hmm. Alright. Yeah. Uh, and the way they keep these things animated is by sticking the incantation on their forehead, on a piece of paper on their forehead. Really? Okay and And then uh, they say originally it was done as a cheap way to transport dead bodies and uh I think originally there was a place uh somewhere in Hunan province, you know you've seen the Chinese restaurants, Hunan and Sichuan cuisine, yeah <clears throat> yeah, so it, there's uh Hunan is a province, and uh <clears throat> a lot of people used to go to work there for some reason and transporting their Bodies back to their hometowns after they died was very expensive and they couldn't afford it. So these Dallas priests would reanimate the corpse, uh, and such, just enough that these things could hop home. And they would usually move them at night when they wouldn't disturb people, but they would have to, you know, send advance warning to the villages or the farms they would pass by and tell them to keep away. Because it could be harmful or bad luck to get too close to these things, and they would hop these things back home to where uh, the body could rest in peace uh, near its loved ones, and then deanimate it, and you know, just bury it uh, I guess, like a normal burial. And uh, the problem is, if these junks should get away from you. Bad things can start to happen, you know? Yeah. So, uh, what I've heard is that there's basically six kinds of these things. And the first one, the lowest level is called the white juncture. And, uh, <clears throat> this is the, you know, the, the neophyte juncture, the one that's just been reanimated to hop along home. And, uh, its body is covered with little white hairs and these, are you know very timid creatures can we say that are they, yeah. are they creatures yeah. i don't know what they All are right. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah well I mean, they they're afraid of everything uh, you know dogs barking cats meowing cocks crowing uh sun coming up uh you know and uh it's easy to defeat them and uh you know what not but if for some reason this person is not deanimated and buried they could eventually by feeding on blood become a black juncture. And since they're afraid of people and dogs and stuff and everything, basically they, uh, these black juncture, uh, have gotten to a level where they can at least feed on cows and sheep. <laughs> and they turn black because the hair turns black after they've been feeding on blood. Oh god. And they increase in power a little bit at this stage. They'll only attack sleeping humans not not people who are awake they might want to suck your blood if you're sleeping yeah Jeez. all right okay and and just like you know this is interesting because you know uh in 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 north and central america uh or should i say central and south america uh people have blamed a lot of animal attacks on the chupacabra right right and I guess in North America, more they blame like, uh, aliens and UFOs and stuff for these strange animal mutilations. But in, in China, a lot of animal attacks are blamed on jiangsha. Hmm, interesting. Okay. And, and typically, I think it's the black jiangsha at, at that stage. Yeah. That, that do those animal attacks. Because if you can remain a black jiangsha for many years without being stopped, you can evolve into a jumping jiangsha. And uh at that point, all the hair falls off, and they can hop around i guess like you know much faster uh they're, they're they can go in the daytime, you know, and they're not afraid to attack uh live awake people,
1: okay, so that's the or that would be like the third uh, incarnation, i guess you say the the yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, the third level of of development and yeah, uh, the it. dogs are afraid of them, but but cats will hiss at them. Alright, and then, uh, then they evolve, I and mean, I don't know how long it takes, but they evolve into flying juncture, or fade juncture means flying juncture, right?
2: Yeah.
0: And, uh, at that point they can fly, and, uh, it looks like, oh, maybe it takes about a hundred years of feasting on the life essence of people to become a flying juncture. They can, uh, climb trees and leap tall buildings in a single bound. And, unlike vampires, leave no mark when they bite you. Oh, God. That sounds like a pretty intimidating sort of a supernatural creature, but they even go beyond that. And I really couldn't find uh, an English word for this, but it's called a ba-ba. And the Chinese character, uh, one part of it is ghost and the other part of it, I don't really know what that, what that other part of the Chinese character means because one part means like ghost or demon. And, uh, after, you know, many hundreds of years of being a flying jangxia, they, they, they turn into one of these demon-like creatures called a ba. And, uh, in China, even to this day, if there is a plague or a drought, Villagers and farmers will still blame these ba. And, uh, one of the translations I found for that, it's not really a good word, but it's a term. Uh, one of the translations was a drought-causing demon. But the whole idea is it's not just a drought-causing demon. It, it fits into this juncture hierarchy, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, is a it develops directly from that. So, uh if 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 there's like a drought and a plague together then people will, will like freak out, my God, we've got one of these bars running around here and uh making trouble for us. And then uh if you can do that for many thousands of years and I don't really think there could be possibly too many of these things because if it takes a Taoist priest to create one, Taoism has only been around for you know a few, maybe maybe five, six thousand years. So, uh, but it takes many thousands of years. You can become the Demon King, Jesus, and at that point you would be virtually invincible.
2: Oh,
1: good! Can see things no one else can see, do things no one else can do. Real things. As real as Lopin. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? Oh, the six demon Bag. Terrific. A six demon bag. Sensational. What's
0: in it, Egg? Wind, fire, all that kind of thing.
1: You're listening to Banal of America Audio.
0: May the wings of liberty never lose a feather.
1: Ah. How'd you learn all this stuff, I guess? It's like, where is this, where's this all come from? This, this concept, this idea, this evolution of this creature, if you will.
0: Well, uh if you probably in the states, if you just Google Jiangsu, you could find some English resources that help you. But it it goes back to very ancient texts. I, I got the name written down here, uh Buncao Ganmu, which is the uh known in English as the Chinese materia medica. Any acupuncturist will have a copy of that. Yeah um also uh if you know anything about uh feng shui uh some of the feng shui uh devices or strategies are used to keep jinxer away and then there's a guy named Yuanmei, who talks about them in a book called the zibuy which is a book about the things confucius would not talk about the common English title is What the Master Would Not Discuss, and it's about the things that Confucius didn't write about or discuss.
1: Almost like a Gnostic text, if you will.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess, well, this is more recent than that, but there is something that's more like a Gnostic text, perhaps, called the, uh, Jing Chu Sui Shi Ji. And, uh, uh, let's see, the China, the English name I found for that is the ancient legends and culture of Hunjung Valley. Hmm. Okay. I can't remember what dynasty that uh, that book is from, but anything called gee, it means classic is usually pretty old. Yeah.
1: Okay. Weird. So these are like, sort of like the demons that plague, you know, that they kind of ascribe bad stuff to, in a
0: way. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were also mentioned in the Shanghai Jing, which is like the classic source of uh, Chinese uh, supernatural and mysterious creatures. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Interesting. So
0: Interesting.
1: Very weird. Uh,
0: there's a couple of guys on uh, YouTube, uh, a couple of Chinese guys who live in America now who do videos about this stuff sometimes. So uh, that's a very good English source from fluent English speakers who walk well in both cultures and uh, talk about this kind of stuff.
1: Nice, nice. So folks can check that out. That sounds cool.
0: You no, know, Yeah, well, I've got to tell you, I've told you about Johnsons, you've got to know how to protect yourself now. Yes,
1: absolutely. How, do you, how does one protect themselves? From, right, from, from, from
0: because you know how to kill a vampire now, but you, if you're going to come to China, Tim, you <laughs> need to be armed. All right, what, okay? do, I
1: need, what do I need to protect myself?
0: Well, this is interesting, all right? Uh, one thing that would be very useful is the wood from a peach tree huh. uh, fashioned into any kind of sharp instrument. All right, a peach, a so peach this is this, A peach tree. That's right. This is the Chinese version of the Steak of Holly. Huh. But in this case, it's made of peach. Which was interesting because one of my students whose uh, ghost story we haven't gotten to yet, uh, a real life story that happened to her in her childhood, uh, talked about, you know, when these things were going on in her home village, she was sleeping with a peach stick in case this, uh, oh this, this local ghost came into her room, you know. <laughs> so this is, this is a superstition that survives to the current day. Kind of like you know, you might see some nut job walking around with a with a garlic uh, lay. <laughs> yeah. You know, nowadays, you know, thinking, oh, oh, oh talking about van- the old people have been saying vampires are back. I better put on my garlic lay. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, she had this 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 uh, this peach stick, and uh, you know, now I've never tested this, and I don't think it's been scientifically proven, but obviously, a lot of people here today still hold to that.
1: Weird. Alright, so that's how one defends themselves against these creatures.
0: Well, there's more ways. Okay, what that, are the other that, ways? Think, In case I can't get so my hands on it. Supposedly off. the, uh, the, 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 yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, roosters are another method of protection. Uh, again, this is sourced from the Zabuyu, uh, um Apparently evil spirits and creatures do not like to hear roosters crow, maybe because it's a sign of the dawn, but if you could train a rooster to crow at night, it would help keep them away. Huh. And here's another one you're gonna love. Juju Bees. <laughs> you know that the box candy you get at the movie theater? Yeah, yeah. You sit in the back row and you look for a bald head to threw a throw, you know, like a partially masticated juju, <laughs> be honest, you can get it to stick, uh, but this doesn't refer to the candy. this refers to the original fruit that that candy is is modeled after, okay, yeah. and uh a lot of times people in China mistranslate it as date, but it's not really from a palm tree, so I don't think in English it could it could be technically considered a date. Uh, but there's a couple different kinds. There's a, a, a red date called, uh, Hongzhao and there's a green date called Liuzhao. The green date actually is kind of apple-like in, in flavor and texture and so forth. They're bigger than the red ones. But, uh, it says that if you nail the seeds of juju bees into certain acupuncture points, it will disable the juncture. jeez. If you, if you go to Chinatown there in in Boston, you could probably buy like a bag of these 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 juju bees. people use them in all kinds of cooking, really. Yeah, Weird. uh soups and peas and all kinds of stuff. interesting. There, but... There's something called Eight Treasures Tea. I think that that's one of the treasures that's in it. Weird. And, uh, yeah. And my girlfriend makes this delicious soup with that stuff. Alright. The fire is kind of self-explanatory, you know. that Any kind of evil creature approaches you, you burn the shit out of it with a flamethrower. You know, that works on almost everything. Yeah. And then, uh, there, there's, there's something else called a bagua. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this, you know, uh, it's, pretty common in the States nowadays because of the interest in, in, in feng shui. Uh, it's like um, an eight-sided figure with eight trigrams from the I Ching around the perimeter and a yin-yang symbol in the center. Yeah. Have you ever seen anything like that? Not off the top of my head. A lot of times, I
1: look it up or something. Well,
0: yeah. well, a lot of times there's a mirror in the middle, okay? Yeah. And I, I'm just saying these things are becoming increasingly common in America or other Western countries as people's interest in things like feng shui and other kinds increases. But What's it called? The Bagua. The, a Bagua. B A G U A.
1: All right. B A G U A. All right.
0: Right, and that's a really ancient symbol. Um, oh, okay, it's like the Dharma that, Initiative,
1: like, kind of. Yeah,
0: yeah, that goes back to uh, a really old book, supposedly dictated by a mythical creature to the first emperor Huang Di in prehistoric times. That's where the I Ching comes from, and that Bagua is based on the I Ching. So uh, you can hang that symbol to keep junk out of your house, wear it around your neck, or. Anything like that. And another thing that Jiangshi don't like are mirrors. Um, difference, that's another difference between Jiangshi and vampires. Vampires don't like mirrors because they have no reflection. Jiangshi don't like mirror because they can see the hideous evil nature of their present state. Ah. Interesting. And so a Bagua with a mirror in the middle It is one of the most powerful things you can use to propel a jongsher. All right.
1: Very interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at these. I'm looking at the symbol now, yeah. It says you can't use it inside. You're not supposed to use it inside at all, this uh, this bog Mm. bog wall. So, all right. I've never seen one inside a house either. Yeah, it says you're not supposed to, so God only knows what my house is in. All right. Interesting. The jongsher. Learning a lot tonight, folks, on the program. Now, what about uh, what about the Yeren? You've looked into the Yeren quite a bit, so tell me what you know about the Yeren.
0: Yeah, the Yeren. I was hoping to get a real good inside scoop on that. I had a meeting with a woman, a friend of a friend, whose uh, father was a high-ranking official at uh, Shunongga Forest District, which is like the heartland of Yeren Country. Unfortunately he declined to approve using her grant permission to use his material. Uh She, because we were going to go on this, you know, international radio, whatever, she felt bad, you know, telling me without letting her dad know first. And he said, no, no, I don't want any of that stuff talked about, uh, you know. He published a book on it. He published many books. You could do a whole show on this guy. But he pays for the publication himself and then only gives the books to people he knows. Huh. Interesting. So it's like he... he yeah. yeah, so he really... He wanted to share it with people but not, like, the, the whole public. Right, right. Right. And these are books about the, yeah, but, about the area or the... But uh, from, uh, from the area. And, uh yeah it's got uh, mysterious locations where people get lost for no reason. Lake Monsters... Uh, ghosts, all kind of stuff is in there, or, or in his books, you know? Yeah. And he spent many hours, but, uh, I, unfortunately I can't tell you any of those stories. But. Alright, well you need to work on that and uh, see if we can get, get digging Yeah, into I know, well. Why him? don't you take a trip over here? We'll, 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 we'll take a tour up there. I've been wanting to go birding up there anyway. You know, Sounds uh, amazing. me and, uh, my, my friend here in Shenzhen, uh, we, we like to go out Watching as much as we can. It's actually a pretty good city for as far as cities go. Shenzhen is very good for bird watching. So, what have um, you uncovered about the, the Yeren beyond the, the Yerun, story? The Yeren. Okay, so let's, let's let's get into that. The Yeren I think might be one of the oldest, maybe the oldest, documented mysterious creature on Earth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially that's considered to be something that's potentially, uh, real and physical, you know? At first, I thought the, uh, earliest account was from the Warring States period. That was about four to five hundred BC, just before the, uh, first formalization of, uh, a single China in, under the, the Qing, Dina- Qing dynasty. But uh around four to five hundred BC was the Warring States period, and there was this very famous book produced called the uh, Shan Hai Jing. Okay, Shan means mountain, Hai means sea, and Jing means classic. And so, the it's typically translated as the Classic of Mountains and Seas. Some people will call it the uh Classic of Rivers and Mountains, but but Hai really <coughs> really means sea. All right. So the, the classic of mountains and seas. If you can look for the English in that, it's not terribly interesting reading, because it's just sort of a like a, this long series of statement of facts and myths and, and legends. Yeah. But um, the the the, the yaron is mentioned in that, so that's going back now uh, at least twenty five hundred years. And I don't think any, any other mysterious creature that people are still looking for is, is mentioned that early.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Interesting. Interesting. You know, even the Loch Ness Monster, they say, well, there's nothing new about that. Uh, you know, an Irish monk wrote about it in the year 800 and something or whatever it is. And then, you know, they, uh, they say, well, you know, Sasquatch is nothing new. The Indians talked about it for centuries before the white man came to America. But uh you know, we here you have documentary evidence that's that's at least twenty five hundred years old.
1: So what's the so, is there any distinction between But 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 but
2: but it gets
0: better. But okay. it gets better than that. Yeah. Because there was reference to an earlier encounter, all right, and what the claim is, is that in the year and this is an exact year, 1024 BC. Alright. Uh-huh. Some, some people caught a pair of yei-runs. Wow. And gave them to, to King Chung of Zhou. Zhou was the ruling dynasty at that time.
2: Hmm.
0: And that, that, that's almost prehistoric.
2: Yeah, that's so, like you it's know,
0: they, old man. Jeez, that's really old. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. You know, the, the problem is that these specimens don't exist anymore. So we don't know if this were just, you know, some like mountain people who lived a nat- very natural and wild lifestyle or if it was actually some kind of a other, you know, non or semi-human creature that that lived in the wilds. But that that's the that's the earliest uh mention uh, you know, it says it goes back, at least, it could be traced back to, is what the reference said. Yeah. To 1024 BC.
2: Hmm.
0: Wow. That's
1: pretty amazing. Now, what's the, is there any sort of distinction between the, the Yaron and, like, what do people, is it essentially a Bigfoot or is there any sort of distinction between that and the Bigfoot that makes it stand out as, uh, particularly different?
0: Well, you know, we can talk about that like in a legendary or mythological sense, but until someone collects an actual specimen, we don't we really know right, anything. Right? Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh you know, uh, anecdotal evidence indicates that it's shorter than Bigfoot. Hmm. At least the ones people report nowadays, it seems to be about you know six feet or you know around two meters. Two meters would be about six six. But, uh, the earliest accounts that go back to the Shanghai Jing, let me, uh, where is that? Because I, I wrote down the exact measurement in, in Chinese. I wonder if that was when my computer crashed. The exact measurement that I found, and it looks like that was when my computer crashed, it was yi zhang, which means one zhang. And that's an ancient measurement we know is about ten feet. So the earliest accounts going back to ancient times, uh, to the Shanghai Jing and, and, and around that time, um, there was a poem written, uh, around 420 to 589 BC, oh, current year, uh, AD, 420 to 589. There's another account of a run during the Northern and Southern Dynasties, and that's the one that puts him at 10 feet. Wow. And let's see, 400 years, uh, 400 years 400 AD in the, during the Jin Dynasty in Fong County, Hubei Province, now Shanongjia. Okay, Remember i told you that's the heart of Yerun country. It's the only municipal, it's the only political jurisdiction in China designated as a forest district instead of a county. Alright. But in you know during the Jin dynasty in Fong County, uh-huh. uh, a guy named R Ya E found a gorilla-like woman, and he calls it the exact term is Xing Xing which means like gorilla added to a woman, or gorilla <laughs> and woman added together. Yeah. Xing xing ja I don't think they knew what gorillas were. I think Xing Xing at that time meant baboon, not gorilla, like yeah. it does today.
1: Yeah, like ape or something. Yeah, yeah. They,
0: they did know baboons. There is a local monkey called the uh, golden snub-nosed monkey that some people claim are responsible for misidentifications. But, uh you know, having majored in wildlife management myself and spent thousands of hours in the field, I personally would not see a golden snub-nosed monkey and think it was a semi-human or, you know, uh, human-like primate, you know. But I guess a couch potato out in the woods for the first time might make something of it. Yeah.
1: Interesting. So what about modern – how often is this seen like – what's it like? Well, there there,
0: there was a huge effort between, like, 1981 and 2000 to uh, identify it. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, all kinds of samples of everything were collected. Uh, hairs, scat, bedding or places and, 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 and bedding sites and things like this, teeth and skeletons and stuff. And uh, in, in no case did it ever come up not matching a known creature. A lot of the hair samples actually turned out to be intentional fakes where they would take human hair and diet red, some of the hairs did in fact come from golden snub nosed monkeys, other hair they found came from other locally known wildlife, yeah, and uh you know the 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 bones and teeth seem to be from known creatures as well, so the effort that was put into it for that twenty year period really didn't come to come to much, much to the disappointment of. Many. You know, uh lovers of mysterious creatures. You know, so it's kinda like you're you're stuck with the Yay run right now like you are with Bigfoot, where you've got such a wealth of anecdotal evidence it it's impossible to ignore that some kind of phenomenon is going on. And yet the elusive piece of physical proof uh still has not emerged, you know. Yeah.
1: What about sightings? How often do you, uh, these aren't, cause these aren't like, uh, well maybe you can, maybe you know this. Is it like they're in the sort of isolated areas? It's not kind of like, they're still isolated when you see them. It's,
0: it's very bad. isolated. I'll tell you why, man. If I knew I was so close when I first was here, I'd have, I'd, I'd, I'd have gone to visit it instead. But I, I think back in 2004, 2005, uh, maybe 2005, my girlfriend at the time and I, uh, made a trip up to Wudongshan, which is the famous Tai Chi Chuan monastery that was featured in Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. All right. Mm-hmm. And you'd think such a famous place would have some kind of tourist infrastructure, but man, that place was desolate. There, you know, there were like no really good hotels in, in the village. There was no place to eat. You know, there was like one restaurant where everybody went. And, uh, the only way to get there was by bus. And, you know, this is a world famous, uh, location that people are flocking to either to study the martial arts or, uh, just as a tourist because it was in, in all these movies. And there was, there was no infrastructure there at all. It was very isolated. And, what I found out later was that Shunongjia was only like a couple hours away by bus. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't take advantage of, of going out there, but Wudongshan is surrounded by wilderness itself. You know, that's like a national park out there. And, uh, uh, that, that again would be another good birding spot if anybody's interested. You have any of your listeners or, burgers like I am looking to bird China, but um, it's, it's, it's I, yeah, it's, it's freaky isolated. Yeah. And, and they don't want to develop it because it's a forest district. So, you know, by, yeah, you wouldn't have any trouble getting a bus in there or a car or something, but then like to arrange lodgings and meals and stuff, you'd probably have to put some work into that. Yeah, yeah. You'd need someone local to help you out, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, well, you know, Monster Quest, you, I'm sure you know that. They went there in what, 2008 or 9, and they didn't find anything.
1: Yeah, well, it's clearly That's elusive. I mean, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, if it's been around that long, as long as you say it, I mean, way, 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 way beyond like, uh, just any of these other creatures, so it's very interesting. You know, yeah. I think by nature you would eventually like come across one of it's that old, but I don't know what else like the description would be. You know, it's very puzzling. Well, another interesting
0: point about that though is, is that is one of the areas uh, that contains known <coughs> Gigantopithecus uh, fossils.
2: Ah. So, you know,
0: people always like to draw that link, and the ancient descriptions of it being E. John or ten feet tall. That is the uh, estimated height for Gigantopithecus. Yeah. So that's an intriguing link, you know. But again, without something more recent, something skeletal or or physical or a head, you know, that a hunter brings in, you know, you can't really you can't really prove that that there is a link. But it is intriguing that the earliest accounts match in height the estimated height by anthropologists and primatologists for. Uh, for Gigantopithecus.
1: Yeah, and I don't know when it would have died out necessarily, so, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe we're talking about some kind of crossover period here where it was still kind of hanging around. Well,
0: there is. I mean, I think, I think they have fossils as recent as what, like 100,000 or 30,000, maybe even 30,000 years. I might be mixing that up with Neanderthal. But 100,000 years ago, you certainly would have had, uh, Homo erectus in China. That's Peking man. hmm you know yeah that was a hugely successful human uh that just preceded us pretty much and uh 100,000 years ago you also have overlap with the modern human uh timeline but i i don't think modern humans had gotten as far as china by that time at least as far as we know or at least as far as science has proven yeah you know um science doesn't know everything yet so Alright. So that so that so that that is intriguing. When I first read that I thought, oh, that's something I've that's a connection I've never seen made before with the Yeh run. The fact that these accounts are so ancient and that you have a height match on a known hominid. Well actually we don't we don't know if Gigant Spithecus was a hominid. It could have been quadrupedal, it could have been bipedal. We don't have the the bones yet to tell us which one it was. Yeah.
1: Very weird. Yeah, you
0: you need a skull so you can see where the where the spinal cord came into the skull. You know, with humans, it's right behind the jaw, and that's an arrangement that's necessary for bipedalism. And with chimpanzees and gorillas, it's it's the hole for the spine is. I I think it's called the foramen magnum, but I I can't remember what the term is now. I think it's foramen magnum, and that's more towards the back of the skull with chimpanzees and gorillas. You know, indicating that they that. That's a position for the head to look forward while looking walking on all fours. Huh. And unless we have a, a leg bone or a, a vertebra or uh, or that or a skull bone from Gigantopithecus, we're not really going to know whether he was bi or quadrupedal. That makes sense. But the height, but the but the height link is intriguing.
1: Absolutely. Let me ask you this about the Yeren. Uh, or the yea as you say, uh, which is probably the proper way to say it. But is there, like here of course, you know, we got the Bigfoot folks, we got the Bigfoot hunters, we got the cryptozoology community. I guess like what's it like over there as far as how, is there a comparable sort of, uh, community of people who are trying to figure this yearn thing out or is it kind of, what's it like?
0: Well there is, but that's a long way from here. Let me give you a comparable distance. Maybe if you were like uh the the closest big airport I guess would be Wuhan. To fly from uh, to go from Shenzhen to Wuhan maybe it's going like from uh uh maybe like Charleston to Boston. Okay. Yeah. You know? Uh and then and then from and then from Wuhan, man, is it a trip? I don't know, maybe they have an airport closer now, but uh i i i did that flight when uh i went to uh wudongshan we originally flew into wuhan and took this 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 bus ride to uh to get close to wudong and then another bus ride to get to wudong and that's a whole other story and uh i don't want to maybe you know maybe we can tell that another time hmm. but um we flew from a city closer to wudongshan called Xiang Fan, and in the, we took a bus to the, uh, we took a taxi to the airport, <clears throat> you know, we tell the guy we're going to the airport, he takes us to like this vacant lot, like yeah. with an abandoned military airfield and a tower, there's no cars in the parking lot, you know, the building is dark, and we're like, is this the airport, and he says, yeah, yeah, this is, this is the airport, what time is your flight, and we tell him what time the flight is, and he's like, don't worry, it'll, it'll, it'll come. So we like sit in this dark airport for a couple hours waiting for the airplane and there's like a shop that sells noodles next door. <laughs> and, uh, all of a sudden, like, uh, 15, you know, 15 minutes before our plane is supposed to leave, all these lights come on, the runway lights up, a voice comes on the loudspeaker, now we're arriving, flight such and such for, for Shenzhen. Plane comes down and lands. We walk out to the runway, go up this staircase onto the plane. The thing takes off, and we're looking out the window, and poof, the whole airport goes dark.
1: Wow, that's weird. Yeah. Efficient, though. Strangely efficient, you know. Yes, it
0: is. Yeah, they're not wasting any money keeping an airport open they don't need.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: So, now I don't know if that's been modernized now or not, but uh, you know that's how it operated when I was there. All right. So the community
1: and the forest and everything are far enough away. So, 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 can...
0: so the point, the point, B, right, right, exactly. And I haven't met anybody locally, but I did meet a a local uh, lake monster enthusiast. Yeah, one of my students, in fact, at Tencent, which is a people, the people who make WeChat. Uh, so, that she, and, uh, she told me recently, actually, that she loved to go camping in, uh, in Xinjiang. And I asked her if she'd ever been to, uh, -er kanasu which is Kanas Lake. And she said, yes, I've been there. And I said, did you see the lake monster? And she said, no, but I wanted to. I went there to photograph it, and I couldn't see it on that trip. It was always foggy. Oh,
1: man. Yeah. Well, where do we even – that kind of jumps to the Lake Monsters thing that you sent me, in a way, because uh, that's a good segue there, actually. So let's talk about this. All you right. sent me a link to a program. We'll have a link uh, at Banal of America to this program uh, in the recap. Uh, it's called Classical Legends, and it's kind of like uh, – it's hard to explain, but it's similar to American programs. Uh first of all, tell me about this program itself. Does it always cover the paranormal or just this one episode of the of the show
0: They deal with uh legendary as well as mysterious things okay classical legends really is not a good english title There's a lot of words they use in Chinese for things we would not use the same words for in English yeah uh so when they translate something, you know it might might be correct english uh classical legends but not necessarily appropriate usage so you know a better name might be like uh history's mysteries or unsolved uh mysteries or the unexplained or yeah, yeah. you know yeah. in search of it's, a, it's it's a show something like that okay
1: you know yeah nice so, so we got we got one episode uh that that Carl dug up and sent us a link to it's on like a like a chinese version of youtube and uh and uh, it's pretty amazing, folks. Go and check it out. Uh, and he's going to tell us about it now, so it's kind of like it, it would help if people go and check it out. But th- 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 tell me this amazing story that's, that's detailed on this episode of Classical Legends.
0: Okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll follow the timeline of the show so when people watch it, uh, they'll have some idea of, of what's happening. And uh, when you do watch it, there is a little bit tongue-in-cheek in the beginning with an excerpt from what looks like an old Hong Kong movie involving Dallas priests and an alien body, and then uh, a few seconds of footage from the uh, hoaxed uh, Fox Television alien autopsy. Yeah, uh, but it's just sort of a, a an attention getter, like they do at the beginning of some of these shows. the 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 real star, story starts uh, in two thousand five with a Airline pilot flying over, uh, Xinjiang, which is in, uh, northwestern, the far northwest part of China. Uh, it, it's, it used to be called, uh, Chinese Turkestan because the native people there are, are not Chinese or Han. They're of some kind of, uh, Turkish descent, uh-huh. uh, in the past and their language is their, Native language is not Chinese; they all speak Chinese now, but they also speak their local language uh, The English name for the people who live there is called Uyghurs. Uh, it has a really odd spelling it's like uh u y g e r or something like that all right but you can if you misspell that on google there's not many words that are spelled that way, so it'll should should give you the correct spelling if you want to learn more about that area it's very, very remote uh not many people live there it's also where the taklamakan desert is um, a lot of silk road caravans used to cross that place uh the capital city is called orumchi and there's another famous city of legend there it's a real city it just got a very uh, mysterious reputation from uh from the past it was like the first stop on the silk road after you uh, we're coming down from the uh, Himalayas, and it um, starts with a K, and I can't remember. Anyway, uh, this pilot, Li Hai-Yong, uh, was flying over Xinjiang one day and sees this strange spiraling object in the sky. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very bright, sort of fiery. And it causes him some concern because, you know, uh, is, is it a, a, a missile launch? Is there a, a space probe or a space mission being launched, a rocket out of control? Is there a satellite tumbling down to Earth that, that he doesn't know about? He's worried about uh, his safety and what's going to happen to the airplane, right? Right. So he he, he calls air traffic control and says, you know, what what is this thing? And and they tell him, what are you talking about? You have clear skies. Just maintain your current course. There's there's nothing going on up there. But he says that this spiraling object continued to be visible for quite some time. It seemed to be paralleling the course of the airplane. You know, kind of kind of following him. It He didn't say it was necessarily behind him. Right. Right. But it was always visible. It was always visible and seemed to keep about the same distance. All right. Okay. So uh, he he you know, still he, he reported it, and I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you this as an aside, since we're talking about pilots and UFOs. Um, one of the local pilots for Shenzhen Air, you know, uh, the, the commercial airline industry has, has grown extremely rapidly here in China. It's been exponential.
2: Yeah. And they just don't have enough
0: pilots uh, to, to fill the airplanes, especially international pilots who need a good command of English. So they hire a lot of pilots from overseas, uh, Brazil, Mexico, the U.S., Canada. They come from France. They come from different places. Yeah. And, and some of these other countries, they have mature air markets where it's harder for pilots to get jobs. So they're happy to come here. Right, right, Well, one of these guys overheard me talking to one of my friends at, a, at the local Starbucks, and he, he was Mexican, and he told me that the Chinese pilots – talk about ufos all the time really and that he wanted to try to connect me with some of these people and I, until now he's just been too busy flying everywhere in the world that we haven't really had time to sit down and get together but i'll add this to the story before i continue because it's of personal interest to you his brother was a professional ghost hunter in mexico Oh wow, that's great! And he, say, and he says, that, and he says he speaks pretty good English too. Huh. And they want to do like a Ghost Hunter episode in China.
1: That would be amazing.
0: You know, like bring bring cameras and stuff, and and, and visit uh, local local ghost sites. But anyway, uh, if you want, you and I maybe we can. Uh, he's supposed to put all of us in touch by email. But anyway, that's another story. Yeah, we'll figure it out. And up. I thought I'd mention, but but in any case, these Chinese pilots, unlike. Pilots in many Western countries are not afraid to discuss UFOs. It sounds like they're not forbidden okay. to
1: discuss them either. That's really what the thing is here. You're not allowed, you know. Yeah, it's
0: not, it's not, well, it's not a career killer like it is at, right, at, right. at home. Yeah. You know, uh, You know. And, 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 you know, you can uh, you can blow these things off anyway, and I'm sure 99% of them can be blown off. And You know, well, you see something, you don't know what it is, and it's flying. So technically it's a UFO. By no means means it's extraterrestrial, right. but these guys will talk about everything, you know. So I don't know. If we ever do this again, then uh, maybe I'll, I'll have some more from uh, Shenzhen Air for you. But in any case, let's continue. So Lee Hai yong is piloting an airplane, and they didn't say what airline it was, but it was flying over Xinjiang. And despite, you know, a long period of time of visual contact with this object, air traffic control reports that there are clear skies, there are no other objects near his aircraft, and he can just continue on course. So he kind of forgot about it, but as it turns out, at that same moment in Xinjiang, uh, you have a whole crowd of people gathered at Kanas Lake. Perhaps my student was one of them, I don't know, who were gathered there to view, photo, and film the lake monster. Hmm. And
1: what's this lake monster?
0: I couldn't get a description of it from anybody, but uh it's called like the Kanasuishweguy, which means the Kanas Lake lake monster. guai means a water monster. Yeah. Weird. So, you know, that's that's another area that I've got to research, I guess, and uh and and find out more, but uh in any case, you, you you have a large group of people in that area with a lot of cameras. Yeah. And one of them looks up and sees the same UFO the pilot reported. <laughs> so now you've got visual confirmation from air and land that there's something in the sky there that's not showing up on radar. Right. Now, I don't know what kind of a thing that could be, and I'm I'm sure everybody's got their own opinion, but it's... You know, you, the whole point is you've got, uh, independent confirmation exactly. of some kind of phenomenon going on here, right? Yeah. Well, uh, what in the show they describe as UFO professionals come, uh, or or are there, okay, where we're trying to view the lake monster. And I don't know really what they meant by UFO professionals, if they meant like, their job as UFO hunter or if they work people attached to the military right, who deal with right, that right. kind of thing, or, you know, uh, they, they didn't say. But they're there, and they say to the people at the lake, if you want to see that UFO again, come back in two years. And they're like, what? How do you know that? What's going on? And so these, you know, quote-unquote UFO professionals tell them that uh two almost exactly two years ago to the day there was uh, a launch of an M fifty four missile from Kazakhstan which is like not far away, you yeah. know, uh they they launched these missiles over western China, over up into the so uh up into Russia, Siberia. Uh, or they're tests or something, I don't know. And, uh, I don't think the M54 is a, is a, is a NATO thing. Um, but anyway, during, I guess, these launches, these things maybe sometimes spiral out of control. And this guy figured that these were scheduled two-year launches and that it would happen again in 2007. So yeah. the story starts in 2005, right? Yeah. This, we're talking about a moment in 2005. September, within September. I think it was September 8th, 2005. Okay. Well, anyway, the, the guy says, you know, they did the same thing two years ago in 2003, and they're going to do the same thing again two years from now in 2007. All right. Well, the people there became really interested in this and got on the Internet and started asking around and doing the research the way they do. They have something in China, and I can't remember the Chinese word for it now, but the, the term they use is human flesh search. <laughs> uh which is a, yeah, it's a direct translation which really means in Chinese uh, uh a whole buttload of people on the internet trying to find out every possible thing they can. Yeah, okay. All right. Alright. So that's what that's what they've got a shorter idiom for that in Chinese that works better than a whole lot of buttload of people yeah, on the yeah, internet yeah, yeah. trying to find out everything they can. Yeah. All right. So this is probably what they what they were doing. Um and what they found out was that that alleged launch in 2003 actually never took place. Really? That that these UFO professionals had stated, yeah, that uh, maybe there was such a launch, but it certainly was not from Kazakhstan, and it was certainly not near Xinjiang Province. Weird. Okay. okay? And they, they they present the documents in that in that show, and if you have a Chinese friend, uh, you know that you can probably freeze frame there and. Uh, have them tell you exactly what those documents say. You know, that 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 kind of stuff it takes me a long time to read. I mean I had to constantly stop that thing, read the subtitles, hmm. you know, look at the dictionary, ask my girlfriend if I got that right, you know, and that kind of stuff like exactly. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh but for a girl who's not normally interested in these kinds of things, this show had her riveted.
1: Really? Yeah. That's a good sign. So, so Okay, yeah, so they yeah, find yeah, out yeah,
0: that you know? the, the, So anyway, so. Yeah. So they think, well, so, so maybe it's fake. Maybe it's a fake UFO, meaning that it is of terrestrial origin. The implication being it's terrestrial in origin, uh, just something that is unusual or secret, right? Right. And they didn't, they didn't think it could be Chinese. Alright? They, they just didn't think that the Chinese government or anyone in China would be building something like that. So they thought maybe it was from America. And at this point in the show, you're probably seeing footage of the old Avro car. Yeah. Where, you know, here's an example of a U.S. effort to build a flying, an actual flying saucer. Okay. All right. And so they did more research on this and found out that, you know, these American designed UFOs never really worked. You know, at least not the ones that we know about. So it, it's probably not from America either. Finally, what they discover is that they have videos of both events. Nice. Yeah. Someone back in 2003 who was trying to see the lake monster videoed a very, very similar aerial phenomenon. And somebody in 2005 also they knew had – uh video of the phenomenon as well, and they compare these two images side by side, and you have, like, this swirling light in the sky, okay? And they're not exactly alike, but they're very similar. So now they're thinking, well, we, we're, we're onto something here. Could it be the aurora borealis? And uh, they go on to state that Aurora Borealis is very uncommon in that part of China. Okay. Now, I don't know about that. I've, I've seen the Aurora Borealis in New York State. Uh, it was in uh, 1999 I saw the Aurora Borealis in New York State. as early as September. So I don't think it's impossible, but the local people ought to know what they see every day. Exactly. And they said that sightings of the Aurora are very rare, and it doesn't normally make a circular spiral in the sky, you know. The Aurora Borealis is usually like, you know, broad shapes and lines and uh shafts of light and things like that. It doesn't spin around. Right. Like right, a right. Wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So uh they they sort of dismissed this as a possible explanation for what people saw. And uh to this day it it, it remains unexplained. And I guess you know, that show is uh, more recent, like maybe uh, 2012. So it didn't say whether the same event took place again in 2007 or not. But they know they've definitely filmed some kind of phenomenon that is either completely unknown or extremely rare. And it remains unexplained to this day what those people saw.
1: Interesting. Now, I've I've only kind of skimmed through that episode, but is the footage of this thing on the episode? Must be, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you get to one part of the episode and they show the video images side by side, all right, and they have the lady on the show who took the video in 2003, I can't remember if the guy who took the video in 2005 is in there or not. So, to go through it now would be would, it would interrupt right, 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 the interview too much, so I don't, don't want to, to do it, but that. you can watch it. And if you have any questions, you can email me back at what time, with a time reference, and then, you know, we can look at it together and decide what happened. Yeah. Uh, it,
1: but. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering, just for yeah, my own edification, that it's in the video. I presumed it was. Yeah,
0: so, yeah, and, and you know, uh, I, I kind of like this show because they say it remains unexplained. And, you know, th- that's a perfectly valid scientific position. Yeah. We've seen something. We don't know what it is. We can't explain it. Yeah, and, well, that's uh, what I wanted to
1: ask you about. Like, what's the – it seems what, – what's the sort of tenor of the dude? Obviously, he's speaking Chinese, uh, so I can't really de- – I mean, I can't really decipher, like, what the – what his attitude is like. Is he just sort of like, oh, here's an amazing mystery, folks, and kind of just tells people this story? He's not like he's, uh,
0: admitting it, making fun of it, being or being a little bit ingenuous and uh, and and playful about it. Okay, but he's emphasizing his words in such a way to indicate we we this is factual information. All right. Interesting. Now, what's the attitude right. of people? So, he, 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 so he's not being dismissive of it. He's not being dismissive, dismissive of it, Right. but he is being kind of playful with it.
1: Okay. And what's the, I guess, what's the general sort of idea over there as far as, like, UFOs go, uh, you know, in general? Like, what's their, is like, because here it's like people think the government knows a whole bunch and won't tell anybody. Um, I guess what's the attitude of people over there with regards to, like, uh, you know, like they say UFO professionals, and it's like, oh, maybe it was the military. Like, what does what the just general people think about this phenomenon over there?
0: Uh, <laughs> there are some people who are really interested in it, and uh, interestingly enough, a lot of their research focuses on uh, Western events because there's simply more information available. Uh, you know, going back to Roswell, man, well, you know, the late 1940s and – 50s and 60s were rough times in China and you didn't have people running around with film cameras and running newspaper stories about stuff like that like you you did in in developed countries. Right. So there's, you know, a big void in in information. So a lot of people who want to research stuff do look at, uh, stuff from Europe and, and North America and Australia just because it's better documented. But as far as open discussion, um, I, I think it's treated slightly more seriously here in the news. I have no idea what the official government position is or uh, how the military deals with it. Uh, but there have been interviews on TV with military people who discuss UFO sightings. Well, I mean, active duty, not, you know, some guy back in 1961, on a flight test who's now been retired for 30 years. Right. You know, we're talking about like active duty personnel will come on TV and talk about it. Interesting. Okay. Uh, And I, yeah. So, uh, you know, they're not as dismissive about it. And I think one reason is because the the country just opened up in 1980 and, you know, it didn't open up in 1845 like Japan did when, you know, we were still, uh, you know, just emerging from the Iron Age. They opened up when the world was fully modern and 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 technologized and uh there's so much to see there's 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 a continuous state of wonderment here that's refreshing really i don't mean that as a criticism there's a childlike wonderment yeah with a lot of things you know that is that, that i think is healthy and refreshing and so i think maybe this is affected i don't know but i think maybe it's had some effect on uh how they uh do the UFO issue. Interesting. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, so, you know, uh, anyway, the show says that this, this event over Xinjiang, uh, remains unexplained, which, which, which is perfectly valid. You know, you don't need, uh, some guy like Joe Nichols to show up five years after the fact and tell everybody what they were looking at because it's impossible for him to know. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's a if He just saw some ball lightning. Well, he doesn't know that. He wasn't there. I mean, the videos don't look like any kind of known ball lightning, you know. So, uh, you know, sometimes scientists, if they're honest, will just say, we don't know. And, exactly, and that's yeah. okay. Right? Uh,
1: yeah, we wish more people would be like that. That's, uh Yeah. That's what drives this whole program, so absolutely, man. Yeah, well,
0: well, you know, you, you had the skeptical guy on, and I think some of your criticisms of science were valid. Well, thank um, you. Thank you. Everything doesn't have to be explained, you know. It, it, it is yet to be explained, and to see these odd and strange things happen, and say, well, it must have been this, you know. Some of the explanations are just as zany, if not zanier, than, than the phenomenon that was witnessed.
1: Right, right, and the people that cling to those explanations are as crazy sometimes as the people that cling to the explanations that are that they're aliens. You know what I mean? It's crazy.
0: Yeah, right. It's yeah, like they, exactly. It's so like so uh...
1: hypocritical with that, they're, that they they that they're dogmatic <laughs> in their anti belief that it's like, dude, you're just as bad as the people who yeah. believe. You're you're worse actually. Cause yeah. You have no yeah. imagination either. <laughs> so right, yeah, right. It's crazy. You you know what um, you should do, dude? I don't know how you found this one in the first place, but you should like, I I, I presume you're a busy man, but, uh, you should just, just, just like watch some more of these classic legends shows and we'll touch base like in a year or something and, and you can present some of these, uh, some of these, I'm sure there's stories on that. If you can find like an archive of that, of that program, I bet you there's some amazing stories that like no one's ever heard uh, over here in the States.
0: You have to see what I can do about that, yeah. because uh, you know the place has been around for five thousand years. I'm sure there's still a lot of stories to tell.
1: I know, and and you know, and
0: and, and one point three billion people. My God, you know, exactly. every one of them has a story.
1: Well, and the good part is that there's this this show here apparently that's presenting these stories. So uh, you should just like dig into that and see what you can find out and. You know, I already drafted okay. you as our man in China. This is kind of like a <laughs> better outlet. Now, this classical yeah, legend. call me Flint from now on. Flint. All right. This, this so, well, yes. Yeah, so,
0: yeah I'm, I'm your man, Flint. Uh, let's see. Well, well this, so the show goes on anyway. Apparently, this 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 area has a long history of uh, strange aerial phenomenon uh, phenomena. Okay? Yeah and there's a, a pretty famous guy uh he's famous now uh, his name is uh Zhe and he was um, a very high ranking official in the Qing dynasty uh at the time uh Britain was trying to get in on 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 China trade okay, okay. and um, at the time of the uh opium wars which i think was in uh, late 1830s Uh, he was sent to Guangdong to intervene and, and, and crush it, uh, or crush the opium trade. Uh, the, the problem was that not only were there corrupt officials being bought off by the British, but, uh, the Chinese Navy itself in Guangdong, uh, had some, uh, measure of corruption also, and the, you know, smugglers could easily Get through those areas where the, where the corrupt Navy, uh, uh officers were. Yeah. But, but not only that, I mean, the, the coast of Guangdong is huge. I mean, it's like Florida. Wow. You know? Yeah. So you, you it's impossible to patrol that, especially back in the 1800s. So there was, there's always some place smugglers could get on shore with, with opium to sell it. And this guy, Lin Zexu, was, uh, was famous for his integrity and moral virtue. Yeah. And so that's why, uh, the emperor sent him, uh, down there, near, near here where I'm at actually, uh, Shenzhen, uh, where that, where the story takes place. And he, he did a really good job. He arrested thousands of Chinese officials and arrested or deported, uh, hundreds and, uh, of, of, uh, expat traders. Uh, confiscated thousands of pounds of, uh, opium and, uh, at a place not far from here called Humun, he dumped all this opium into the sea. They had, they had built like a paddock or a, a weir that formed a pool and they could dump the opium in there, mix it with lime and stir it and stir it and stir it till it was all dissolved and destroyed and then it just washed out to sea. Yeah. And this, uh, of course precipitated the opium war. which uh the Chinese uh the Chinese lost and had to give up Hong Kong to the British. So uh he was disgraced as a result of this. They blamed him and he was exiled to Xinjiang Province, where he was set up as a provincial governor, but it was not a prestigious position. All right. And while he was out there, this was from eighteen forty to forty five. he recorded a strange aerial phenomenon that involved lights. That was not, from the historic descriptions, uh, anything that could be considered the aurora borealis. Yeah. And he uh, described in his diary a strange event in the sky that involved a swelling light that became brighter and brighter. And uh, he told people about this, and the first time everyone thought he was drunk and hallucinating and whatnot, and there probably nothing to it. But then that same month, he recorded the same phenomenon twice more, and I think there were other uh, contemporary accounts that it matched up with. Okay. All right? And, and again, it, it could not be the Aurora... Borealis. Uh, people don't know what this was.
1: Yeah, it's a mystery.
0: All mm-hmm. right. It was a, yeah. It was one month, and I, and I don't know which year, 1840-45, it was because they only give the Chinese date in the in the documentary, and I don't know how to trans you know calculate and translate that into a into a modern date. Yeah. And I don't even think most Chinese people could do that without some help. But uh, in any case, it was some sometime around then. So now you've got possibly this linked back 150 years to the period 1840-45. Right, 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 all right. In 1845, Lin uh he he had a, his reputation was restored, and he was again given a prestigious position, and he left Xinjiang and went on to some more developed place um, back east here. I, I can't remember. It might have been Shandong and Anhui, but in any case, that's it. But then they they, they take the story much further back, and uh, the time scale is so immense. I, I don't really know that the events are related, uh, but it is the same area. So there's a geographical correspondence that's interesting, but but not really anything else. But near uh, a place called Alatai City. In English, A L E T A I, Altai City. Yeah. All right. Uh, there are some caves. There are these cave paintings in there, and if you watch the the, the video, you'll you'll see the uh, the cave paintings that they're referring to. And the local people, uh, apparently, there's been a very long continuous occupation in that in that area. The people say that those caves go back 10,000 years. Wow. And that that's when those cave paintings were done.
2: Hmm.
0: All right. I, I, I don't know if anybody's been in there to actually do carbon or any other kind of radiometric dating on the site, but they say that those cave paintings go back 10,000 years. Jeez. So that would be, what, about 8,000 B.C.? I mean, you know, that's that's reasonable to think cave paintings could be done then. And they depict something that appears to be a rocket ship. Wow! It's very—it's—it's it's very clear in the picture. If you, if you look with at that with the eyes of a 20th or 21st century person, you look at that and you say, "Oh, yeah, that's that—that's a rocket ship or an airplane." They're not like a commercial jet, but like some kind of high-tech uh, swept-wing fighter, you know, something like that. Yeah. And I mean, that's what it looks like, okay? Now, there's an archaeologist uh, they, they bring on who says that that is not what that depicts. And he reckons it was something that they used in hunting the megafauna, okay? The show doesn't really elucidate what that, that was. It doesn't say if they have a physical artifact that matched it if it was some way of laying a net or a trap or if it was some kind of tower they used to get the upper hand on mastodons and, and ground sloths. Yeah. They they don't uh they don't explain it any further. But two things you have to consider here. One is you have a really old picture that looks like a modern rocket ship. Yeah. Secondly, it's 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 really old, so uh there's such a vast difference in time and culture that our eyes and minds may never know what that really is exactly yeah yeah these are the kind of things that make people curious that 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 need to be investigated though and and researched more i think you know
1: absolutely yeah
0: well that's why we got you so, on the show
1: carl that's why we got you on the show man <laughs> to get to get the word out about this stuff to uh, yeah. other folks
0: you know So, so, so my feeling about that is, is that, you know, uh, if 10,000 years ago there were some kind of space aliens that could come to Earth, why would they need a rocket ship? They would have something way more crazy and advanced than that. You know, they wouldn't need to build something that, you know, that looked like a Saturn V rocket. They're way past that. Yeah. But it's intriguing. I mean, maybe that's the kind of thing you need to go up and down from the Earth to reach. I don't know, what, a, a giant mothership, you know, parked at the moon or something. So I guess there's always that possibility. Yeah. But the other thing is, you know, someone who's been into primitive skills myself, you know, flint napping and shelter building, fire making and stuff like that, I'd like to know if it was something ancient also. Like, what kind of a hunting device was it? Yeah, exactly. Man, I think yeah. it'd be cool to get together with my primitive skills homies back home and, and build one and try it out, you know, next yeah, year season yeah. or something, Yeah, you know? <laughs> you know, so uh, either way, it sounds pretty cool to me. I don't really care what the final result of a research and investigation would be, but I, I just think it's pretty cool. They they found those cave paintings and they have that picture.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, folks, uh, they can check out the linkage to that at uh, the Banal of America recap on this episode. So it's, Yeah. It's all there.
0: You know, be careful when you're looking at it, because it's hard to deny that it is a rocket ship. But bear in mind, there are 8,000 years of time and culture between you and that picture. So, you know, keep an open mind. Exactly. You can keep hope, you can keep hope, but you have to keep an open mind. That's,
1: absolutely, you're giving some wisdom here uh, on the show for the listeners, absolutely. Keep, keep an open mind, but don't, don't be, like I say, don't be so open-minded that, that your brain falls out.
0: Right. Um okay. So the implication I think that they left you with at the end of the show is that this area in Xinjiang around Kanas Lake and Alatai City, uh, has had this, you know, 8,000 or 10,000 year history of UFOs and I think they close it with saying the Chinese equivalent with, uh, of Xinjiang welcoming the UFO space aliens. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. I got to go back and check, but it's something along those lines. Xinjiang, long time welcoming the uh the space UFOs <laughs> and space aliens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to hear more about whatever these other episodes of uh Classical Legends cover. So you should see if you can dig into that when you have some time.
0: Well, you know, I think that area is not far from where the uh Dropa Stones came from also, but uh I think you'd be hard pressed to make a solid case for the Droposones nowadays. Yeah.
1: Very interesting stuff, Carl. So very interesting stuff. Yeah. I think uh, we've gone a long time here, man. We've gone almost three hours. So,
0: uh, holy to... cow! I, I thought I'd have trouble making an hour out of this.
1: No, dude, you're you're cooking, man. You're like uh, you're almost the same as Brent uh, from last night. You guys are both naturals. Wow. You're, you're good. You uh, must be exhausted. I'm getting tired, but we'll we'll hang in there because I think we're pretty much at the we've pretty much covered everything that we I had in my notes. so is there anything else you know, and don't worry about the time, don't worry about any of that. Uh, if you're good, I'm good. so what you know what is there anything else I missed here uh in this conversation beyond classical legends, the yen, en, uh the Jiang Shor? Uh, some of these Chinese ghost stories, I mean, we've covered a lot, but, uh, maybe, you know, you told me before, I don't know if you mentioned it on the show or not, it's been so long we've been talking, that, uh, that you held back on the haunted college thing as a surprise. Is there anything else, uh, that you've dug up since we tasked you with being our, our flint in China, uh,
0: that, <laughs> that we
1: haven't heard yet from
0: uh... you tonight? Well, I got a couple more ghost stories, but, uh, you know, we could do them next year. I know, uh, this one student of mine, uh, Albie, who could barely speak English when she came with me, worked her little butt off and bless her heart. She told me her whole little ghost story
2: in, in English.
0: I mean, she just set it all down and memorized it so she could tell me and, her her English like improved astronomically just in a week because she worked so hard on this story but um you want to as tell homage it? to her yeah i want to tell it as an homage to her for uh, working so hard in english this is a uh, Albie from 10 cent story okay uh she comes from a, a a small village near xian which is a big city in north central china in her village A neighbor of theirs, a a young man, had married a young woman who was from out of town. All right? And in in small villages, sometimes that can be unusual. Okay. Uh, You know, know, small-town folk are in China like small-town folk in America. Yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, it's universal to the human experience. And after two years of marriage, you know, the girl had produced two children, they they love these children dearly, and uh, uh she seemed to be getting along well with everyone, but one night she had this dream that she would become suddenly ill and die. And she told her mother-in-law about it, you know, so she's living with her husband, very common for the one, one set of the grandparents to live with the family yeah. and help take care of the, the kids. Her mother-in-law didn't want to tell anybody else about it because she thought it would bring bad luck. And you notice this is like the second or third time bad luck has come up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one thing, one reason I think I like it here so much is because it seems to me that Chinese people have something in common with Sicilians. And, you know, uh, being, a, of Sicilian descent somewhat myself, uh-huh. maybe I took to it for this reason because we also have these stories of like uh, bad luck and good luck and in Sicilian families, but anyway, this, her mother-in-law thought it would be bad luck. So, lo and behold, just as the, 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 the poor young woman dreamed, three days later, she becomes suddenly ill and dies at the hospital. They rush her to the hospital in another town where that's big enough to have a hospital and she dies there, leaving behind her husband and the children. And, and now since this woman died in a hospital outside the village, the old women of the village would not let her body come back in for the funeral. All right. Oh man. And this is some old, this is some old Chinese thing. Okay. All right. So the, these old ladies, they like they're the keepers of the of the village wisdom. You know, this yeah. is like a uh, you know, we're getting into the traditional way of life here, and these old ladies were the were the keepers of the village wisdom, and they warned that this woman's body should not come back in here. And uh it's considered very bad luck to let an out-of-town stranger back into your town after they die. It was just that simple. So one day, a few years later, one of the local women's child is playing with the deceased woman's child. And some kind of fracas erupts or something between the two kids, and the, this local woman ends up abusing the dead woman's somehow, uh, beating her or something. Uh Alby wasn't really clear on that with me, and I knew she had worked so hard and pushed her English beyond the horizon she thought she had. I didn't want her to be stretched any further to explain what she meant by abuse, but suffice it to say this local woman did something bad. I don't think it's anything like, you know... Evil or anything. Uh, yeah, just, you know, some temper oriented yeah. stuff, Yeah. All right, so what happens, though, is that her own child somehow suddenly becomes stricken and cannot speak and cannot recognize anyone in his own family. Oh, my God. All right, it's it's like he suddenly becomes catatonic, gets a bad spell cast on him, loses his mind, something. Yeah. Right? Weird, yeah. So they rush the child to the hospital where the doctor takes his pulse and announces that he will not live to see tomorrow. Oh my God. Now you have to understand this notion of taking pulse. This re- this refers to Chinese medicine, not Western medicine. And in, in, in Chinese medicine, you have like nine pulses that the doctor uses for diagnosing you. Okay. All right. It's a, it's a completely different model of health and wellness. And these nine pulses, and I felt them. People have taught me how to feel those, uh, and I've, I've I've felt them, and they are there. Uh, you just have to know how to, you know, tweak around for them. All right. But according to his his analysis as his diagnosis, this kid's not going to live to see tomorrow. So word spreads quickly back to the village. Uh, a Taoist priest is summoned to rush to the hospital and do what he can to save the kid. Meanwhile, my student, who's about seven years old, when all this happened, Aldi. became terrified yeah. by Albie, right? A L B E E, like the uh, the guy who wrote the play Zoo Story.
1: Yeah. Okay. So Albie uh, terrified. Yeah.
0: Right. And uh, so she, what she does, and she tells me this matter of factly, all the other people in the English corner knew what she was talking about, but they had to explain it to me. She tied a red cloth around her neck. And went to the local peach orchard to break a branch off of the peach tree, and, and that's when she explained to me what this peach—you know—the the peach sword and the peach stake yes. through the heart and all of that stuff—is right. Uh-huh. And she would, she held it close to her constantly, even while she was in bed. So the the, the Dallas priest says that the ghost of the deceased woman is causing this problem for the kid. He says, hey, I, I can keep the ghost from killing the child for now, but we're going to have to do something to fix this long term. Right, right. All right. So the woman herself wants to go get a peach sword and kill the ghost. <laughs> and the Dallas priest says, you know, that's really not the best course of action here because it's not really going to save your kid. Uh, what you need, the, the ghost was only looking out for the welfare of her own kid trying to protect her own child. Right. You know? And really the best way to solve this is for you to apologize to her and to the ki- and to the child you beat. Yeah. All right. So they decide that this is the best course of action. And uh, you know, uh this isn't normally uh, spoken of in the West in analysis of China, but win-win situations are really big here,
1: you know? I see what you're saying, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, and, and so, and, and I'm, I'm showing you how deeply entrenched this is in the culture. The Dallas priest is looking for a win-win situation, not only for the child, but, you know, for the woman involved and the ghost of the woman, you know? Yeah. And uh, this even enters into politics and world affairs. So anyway, they decide to do a ceremony. Uh, to achieve this win-win-win situation, because we've got three parties involved, and they go to a Dallas temple where they, uh, have to make some special arrangements, and one of the parents has to stand in this doorway, and the other parent has to stand in that doorway, and certain incantations have to be spoken, and, you know, there has to be a certain apology made, and the, uh, the woman who performed the abuse I apologize personally to the kid she beat, as well as to the ghost. Alright. Mm-hmm. Uh, but exactly how the ceremony went down, I don't, you know, know every detail. Right, right. Alright. So anyway, after the whole thing is over, I mean, it's, 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 it's just like in a movie, the stricken child gradually comes to and kind of realizes what's happening. And within a few days, it's restored back to full health. Oh, wow. And this was witnessed by my very rational and sane modern student, as well as uh, just about everybody who lived in her village. That's and they were all involved yeah. in this. You know, they all went down to the temple and stuff, and this is what they saw. And this
1: is, like, relatively modern Thing that happened, you know, clearly. Well, if so. she
0: was seven years old at the time of this event, um, it was less. It was less than twenty years ago. She's like fresh out of college. This yeah. girl, so interesting. Yeah, really.
1: All right. Yeah, that's wild, man. Well, we've uh we've gone almost 3 hours here total uh on the show, so I'm I'm going to kind of ease into the wrap-up part. Um Carl, You're
0: going to you... cut me off, huh? All right.
1: <laughs> well, we want to bring you <laughs> back eventually, dude, so we can't go through everything, right. but yeah, we've covered a whole bunch of stuff here and uh like I said, this is a campfire episode. Uh, have you ever thought about writing, uh, about this stuff, you know, or, or sort of like, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to sort of become a Brent Swanser type and, 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 get these stories out to, uh, an American or English speaking
0: audience. Uh, well, it's not a bad idea. Right now I'm working on a book for learning English. I've got about a hundred pages done and I got maybe just a couple more sections to go. um, i I'm not sure if i i think I did get a couple of so sort of u f o items in there, but just like in sample sentences or sample passages yeah um but uh to use the language but um there are so many books that I've thought about writing and never really set down to do i'm 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 kind of undisciplined that way, but if this English book thing gets done, maybe it will be the one that opens the door for more activity. Yeah, well, we'd love so to I'm, have I'm kind of at that point in life now where I, I would like to get something set down now, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you just want to get your legs under you, you know, we'd be happy to have I'll you... I'll tell you,
0: what's it... All, really? well, uh, all right, well, you know, uh, up, e- e- even the non-paranormal stories would make an incredible book here from China. I'm sure, yeah. Well like I said, yeah. if you want to get your yeah. legs
1: under you you're more than welcome to uh become a writer at all of America. We'd love to have you over at the site, so
0: Okay. great. Um, get my book up online,
1: huh? Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, Carl, uh I'm really, really impressed with your with your presence here on the program tonight. We said kind of going back and forth, you were like, I could maybe do an hour, uh if you stretch me I could do two, but here we are almost three hours later and um you know, I have a feeling if if it wasn't three AM my time, I'd be up for an even longer chat. But uh we've really kind of pressed it to the very limit and, and you're just like I said about Brent Swanser last night, you're just uh you're a natural man, so I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and for taking the time over the last month or so to really dig into this stuff for the BOA audio listeners. Uh folks Carl volunteered or uh, I guess he like he said he was deputized by John Neer and I to uh <laughs> to represent uh China here on the program and he has done just a tremendous job uh with these stories amazing stuff these ghost stories are just absolutely tremendous and of course all the stuff about these mysteries and legends uh the the Jiangshire the Yeren all this stuff this classical legends program amazing stuff really uh fascinating material that quite frankly uh we couldn't get anywhere else so uh you know if it wasn't for Carl's fine work here you know this information wouldn't be out there to the BOA audio listeners so i really 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 cannot thank you enough Carl uh you've done yeoman's work tremendous uh research here and and really bringing uh this whole uh, realm into a whole new life for the BYU Audio listeners. So thank you so much, man, for everything you've done, and thank you for coming on the program.
0: Well, thank you, Tim. Uh, You know, I used to send home these China dispatches when I first got here about my strange experiences, and people have often said I should put it into a book or go on the talk circuit or something, and uh, I never really expected to do it, but uh, you've uh, got me started here now. Uh, This is my very first public uh, outcoming with uh, any of these stories and experiences from China. Not not all mine in this case, but uh, some of them were. And, uh, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I was nervous about it. You made it easy. And, uh, well, what can I say? Um, you, you've been very generous with your time. Oh
1: man, it's, it's, uh, the feelings mutual. And, uh, thank you again so much for coming on the show, buddy. And we'll definitely have you back on in the future, uh, for more. And,
0: and we did it without much cussing either. Did you notice that? I, I was really worried about that because I know my, uh, my mom and dad and sister back home will want to listen to this. And I'm thinking, uh, too many F-bombs or something, and they're going to turn it off eventually. <laughs> but uh... No, <Nah>, you <laughs> did great,
1: it, man. You know? Yeah, you did great. It was <laughs> awesome. So thank you once again for coming on the show, bud.
0: Okay, thank you.